The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of NBA Today Ball Presentation. I am your host, as always, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Like I said, this is a hoop ball presentation. Of course, make sure you find folks of hoop ball on Twitter at HoopBallTweets, online hoop-ball.com. A lot of great content over there, including the Hoop Ball 360, which is everything you need to level up this fantasy basketball season. We're talking exclusive content, top 150 list, a super dope Discord chat, the whole nine for a really, really reasonable price. So definitely make sure to check that out for certain. Uh, today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever you listen, this doesn't really matter. I got my good friend Justin Matcham on again. You know he's helped me on a couple of these offseason deep dives. We go deep, and here we are breaking down the Eastern Conference and making some predictions. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at JustinMatch26. Justin, y'all, he knows his hoops. He is a host of a podcast himself, Cavs Central Pod, uh, general NBA guy. I mean, he speaks for himself. You've heard him on this before. So definitely uh, welcome, Justin. How you doing, man? I am great. Glad to be hopping back on here. It's been a minute since we've been able to record, so just happy to happy to be back in here recording with you. Oh, yes, sir, for certain. I mean, you know, the holidays came. I'm glad we're sneaking in just after Thanksgiving, just before uh, Christmas. Kind of cool to get that done. We have NBA basketball in two days, and by the time folks listen to this in one day, that is insane. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I mean, even just getting preseason basketball, I, even with the short break, it was it's sorely missed during that time. I mean, we had free agency in the draft, which kind of helped for it. But, yeah, I've been watching a lot of preseason basketball. Can't wait to watch something that counts. Oh, yeah. No, I feel you. I haven't, I've watched a little bit. Like, preseason for me is always one of those where I'm like, ugh, but I watch it. But, like, the, I mean, it was good because it was such a truncated offseason that you knew that some of this minutes and stuff were going to mean something. Uh, again, you have to be in that, okay, don't take everything away from it. But, yeah, like you said, just fun to have NBA basketball back. Even though it's only been 70-plus days, it's still, I mean, it's always great. Um, and with that being said, I mean, let's get started. We're going to break down the Eastern Conference. I got the the moves kind of, you know, already laid out. I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Just kind of talk about an alphabetical order and what we think. So let's start with Atlanta. They, they, I mean, I guess we're starting with one of the busier teams in the, not only just in the Eastern Conference, but really in the entire NBA. Uh, in the draft, they selected Nyeke Kungu, sixth overall, Skylar Mace, 50th. Uh, in free agency, they picked up Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Solomon Hill, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They lost Dwayne Dedman to Detroit, Jeff Teague, uh, Dwayne Dedman in a trade to Detroit, Jeff Teague to the Celtics, DeAndre Bembry, Charles Brown Jr., Travion Graham, Damian Jones, and Skylar Bissier. Uh, they waived Kyrie Thomas in the trade they did with the Detroit Pistons, and Vince Carter retired after an illustrious 22-year career. But let's talk about the Hawks here. They made a lot of moves, uh, Travis Schlank, to get Trey Young some help. What do you think about the Hawks? I think, and you know, a lot of it, a lot has been made of Atlanta's offseason, you know, and just them trying to get better. I think this definitely makes them better. I think, you know, we'll get to, you know, predictions here, but I think they're probably, you know, one of those lower tier playoff teams with the moves mm-hmm. that they've made. But at the same time, I am not as high on Atlanta's offseason as I feel like a lot of people are. And I understand just, 
you know, going out and signing some good players just for the sake of being competitive. But how much better is this team really going to get, I guess, is what I'm looking at. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich was a fine signing. It may have been a slight overpay. I, I won't even call it an overpay. I think it was fine. I think the, the Danilo signing was an overpay. Um, I, just overall, and I understand that Danilo is coming off the bench too, and the contract is non-guaranteed in the final year. But overall, just a, a, a lot of moves here that just kind of felt like they were rushing the process a little bit. And I think that that was necessary because um, what's his face, Schlenk, was kind of, you know, feeling some pressure from ownership to make the playoffs after missing it for a couple of years. So, you know, not surprised by any of the moves just because I knew that, you know, this team kind of unperforms, you know, maybe they don't make some of these moves and this team is, you know, down the, the cellar of the East again. Good chance that Travis Schlenk gets fired at the end of the season. But um, we can kind of go down the list of moves if you want. But overall, yeah, not, sure, why not? we're thrilled with, with what they did. Um, I'll, I'll let you start if, if you got something you want to talk about first. Oh, no, I was saying, let's let's go a little bit on it. Because I actually thought this offseason, we knew that they were kind of under the gun to make some stuff happen. And we've seen GMs in the past do these panic win-now moves that fall flat on their face and are pretty much bad ideas from the minute that, you know, the contract or trade is signed or goes through. But in this case, while I do think it skews more offense than defense, I'm not entirely against it. You know, in the moves that are made, I think that you surround Trey Young with enough competent help on the offensive end to lighten the load, while you already have some guys defensively that can at least, you know, keep it somewhat level. You definitely weren't going to build an all defensive type team anyway. This wasn't going to be a a re um a redo of the. 2176 with Allen Iverson, you know, where you had those kind of, you know, uh, defensive minded swing men and, and bigs, and you basically gave the ball to Iverson and said, you know, go cook. Trey Young's going to have the majority of the touches here, but you have guys now can conceivably relieve the, relieve, relieve the pressure from him. Yeah, and I think just, again, we're, we'll just look at, you know, how this roster did improve. I think if you look at the biggest weaknesses on their roster last year, Mm-hmm. was just their center rotation, which was just a mess. I mean, you know, they they were starting Damian Jones in some games. They ended up getting Dwayne Dedman back, but mm-hmm. Dwayne Dedman's not with the team right now. We got waived by Detroit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something. But um, obviously they traded for Clint Capella. He didn't play for them at all. But getting him in there is going to be really, really super important. And, again, like they've gone from guys like Damian Jones and Dwayne Dedman to – you know, Clint Capella, maybe John Collins can play a little bit of five this year, maybe a little bit more so than last year. And a guy like Onyeka Congo. If we're just going to look at the draft, um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, a lot of people didn't like the Onyeka Congo pick for the Hawks just because of the, you know, big man overlap. I think if you're in a position like they were, you were just going for the best player on the board at that point. And I think Onyeka was definitely that guy. Um, he was somebody that I was really, really high on. He was, as far as just like, favorite prospects, not like who I thought, you know, was the best prospect. He was one of my like top three favorite prospects. Just as far as guys who I was pretty sure would be good players. Um, I think Onyeka is going to be someone who can really contribute at an NBA level right away. I think he'll be a, a positive right away, but, um, you know, just a little bit undersized, but that's okay. Um, he's not going to be asked to guard big guys every night because you have a Clint Capella on your roster. So being able to bring him off the bench and bring him along slowly behind a guy like John Collins and a guy like Clint Capella, I think is going to be really good for him. Um, 
again, the Bogdan Bogdanovich signing, I thought was a fine one. Um, he's still, I think, I believe he's 28 now, so he's not really a young guy. But mm-hmm. he, you know, he should he should be productive throughout this contract. It was four years at 18 million a year with a player option in the last year. I'm assuming he probably ends up picking that up at the age of 32 or whatever. But um, yeah, that's a guy who. Again, kind of a little bit of overlap, it seems like, because I like Kevin Herter there, too. It seems like Kevin Herter's probably going to be coming off the bench, so it's, it, we're going to have to see what his role is going to be this year, but I definitely think that Bogdan is an upgrade. Um, like I said, just another guy next to Trey who can really create, which I think he'll kind of, he'll, he'll kind of take the ball out of Trey's hands sometimes, which is a good thing. Um, you know, Trey basically just ran the, like you were saying, with, Al, with Allen Iverson, um, really just kind of ran the entire show for them last year. So, and, and, you know, he's a good shooter too. That's someone who Trey can pass to, um, you know, cuts spot up, just, you know, someone who can finish off of a Trey young pass. So it's, it's good to have guys like that. And, um, the other big one before we get into some of the other smaller ones was Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. Who signed basically three year, 60 million ish dollar, de- dollar deal. Um, the, the last year is only 5 million guaranteed. So if they, you know, if he doesn't age well, you can waive him there. He's making nineteen and a half million this season, and I think twenty and a half the next. I don't love this move for them. I think it was an overpay. Um, and you know, originally I hated the deal because I thought you know that the expectation was going to be that he started, and if he's going to start on this team, it would have to be at the three because you're not going to bench John Collins. So at that point, I really didn't like the move because I do not think I think he's kind of locked in after the power forward spot at this point. I don't think he's you know he he's just, I mean, he was never a, a quick guy on the perimeter, but he is definitely not that now as he's gotten older. So, you know, someone, who, again, who can provide some offensive firepower, um, a little bit of positional overlap again. But if you're just trying to get talent, I think that, you know, that's definitely one of the more talented guys they could have gotten this offseason. True. I Yeah, I was about to say, Bob Gallinari, I think, honestly, he'll be coming off the bench, which what do you think if, yeah. if, that, if that, like, I mean, coming off the is that a better fit, do you think, for him? Because, I mean, I honestly, mean, I don't think he's going to be a three at this point anyway. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, not his... I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that the expectation at this point is that he will be coming off the bench. I think they had an agreement that that was going to be what it is. And for that, I still think, even with the last year being only partially guaranteed, I think two years, $40 million is a little bit much for that. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, they're still going to have... They're, they're not crazy expensive with these moves, you know, that they made... It's not like they have that much committed salary next year. You know, this isn't going to be like some crazy tax team or anything. Still, just I feel like it's a little bit more of an overpay than it needed to be. I kind of, I would have felt more comfortable paying anywhere from like 16 to 18 for Gallo, and you're going basically, you know, 2021 for him. Which again, I'm just not a huge fan of. But it's not like they gave him a four-year deal. They gave him basically two and a quarter year deal just with the guarantee. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's just kind of going all in right now. And, it, again, if if the goal was really just to win this season, then I don't think they were going to do any better than Gallo. And the contract isn't going to kill him long term, I don't think. So I, I like it now more than I did, but I'm still not huge on it. Okay. No, I understand that. That's fair. I, I think ultimately with what they have, it's weird. Like I don't have any issue. I have I don't have any issue with what they did. Could they have done better or differently? Yes. Uh, I actually like the Rajon Rondo signing. Uh, uh, whatever he's doing, you know, off the court, 
uh, be his own issues. I, apparently, I think his issue with uh, a neighbor of his in a parking spot. I mean, nothing really to dive into here uh, that you know hasn't already been done before. But in general, it's just I don't know. It's weird. I think this team has the potential shifting more to prediction to, to make the playoffs, like you said. But I definitely see them like seventh or eighth seed. Like this isn't like oh yeah, lock them at the fifth seed. Like I don't even think they jump Indiana in my mind. And Indiana is the one team where I'm like eh on the fence about. You know what I mean? Like this team definitely has some weaknesses uh, between injury concerns and the defensive problems you have uh, meshing together. I don't think they were super great. Uh, again, this is preseason, so take it with several grains of salt. But even with that, it wasn't like they looked like an offensive powerhouse there either. So I have some concerns, but not as many as as, as I thought I would. I'll be honest. I, I didn't love the Rajon Rondo signing. Um, okay. And honestly, it was going to be difficult for the Lakers to keep him. We knew that just because they didn't have bird rights on him. So we knew that he was going to get a bigger offer like this. Overall, I just – watching Rajon Rondo play the past couple seasons with the Lakers – Obviously, he turned it up and had a fantastic postseason. Oh, but yeah, I feel yes, like that's been the case with Rajon Rondo in the postseason, like the past five years, is like he hardly looks like an NBA player during the regular season, and then turns it up and starts trying again in you know the postseason, which is great, you know, and it shows that you know he does still provide some value. But this past season, it didn't look like Rajon. I, I didn't think that Rajon Rondo would get another contract in the NBA during the regular season last year. He just wasn't. He, he was just flat out bad on the court. So, I mean, and I, I understand that he raised his value, but I'm just not sure that, you know, seven and a half million dollars, 15 million total over two years just mm-hmm. seems like overpay to me. I, I, and especially cause they brought in Chris Dunn as well. Um, and, and that is another thing, you know, they went from having, you know, nobody behind, Trey Young last season, um, they brought in Jeff Teague, who kind of looked washed there as well. But um, to going with yeah. Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo. So, I mean, again, it is hopefully an upgrade. My, my biggest concern with Rondo is, though, just this team is going to need him to be good in the regular season for them to get to the playoffs. You know, if, if Rajon Rondo looks like regular season Rajon Rondo and is just, you know, making pointless passes instead of going for a layup and not shooting the ball well again. It's just like, how much is he really going to help this team? Because I don't see them as a team that's going to make a big playoff run. The team is going to be more about, you know, ha- you know, trying their hardest in the regular season to even get to the playoffs. So I, I'm a, I wasn't really sure exactly what, I, I guess I understand the thought process to an extent, but especially with bringing in Chris Dunn, um, I, I thought the Chris Dunn signing was a very good one. It was um, two years, $10 million, basically. Uh, the second year is a team option. So, or, or no, it's not a team option. It's a player option. So if he plays well, obviously, you know, he He's has the option. And I think, that there's a, I, I think that there's a chance that, you know, if he has a good year, he declines that and gets a better contract, you know, either with the Hawks or elsewhere. But um, overall, you know, just having an actual defender behind Trey Young, I think, is going to be really important. Um, I, I think we might see him play a little bit of two and three this year just because he's capable of guarding those positions. He can play next to Trey Young then. Um, guy like, you know, DeAndre Hunter and um, Cameron Reddish next to him, I think, you know, the, that's a good two, three, four, or one, three, four, or whatever um, defensive combination on a team that, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of other defenders. Um, and just looking at some of their smaller moves, too, um, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about Skylar Mays. He'll be on a two way for him this year. I thought he was fine. Um, exactly him with that. <laughs> um, Tony Snell, 
is a nice little pickup. Um, a little oh, obviously overpaid. We know this, but he's on an expiring deal, so that's not a big deal. He'll be making a little bit over twelve million dollars this year. Uh, just you know, as we we know what Tony Snell is. We don't have to go over it. Just <laughs> he is what he is. He's a shooter, right? He'll shoot. That's he'll all he brings you. I threes in ten games and make four of them. You know, I mean, yep. Eleven zero and zero again. He he can prov- yeah he can provide you a solid twenty minutes a game. And maybe he'll shoot, maybe he won't. But there's a good chance he'll make it if he does. So, And then they also signed Solomon Hill. Um, that deal is non-guaranteed up until like the end of February. So if that doesn't work out, they can waive him. If it does work out, again, I, wing depth is never a bad thing to have. I don't think Solomon Hill is a game changer. But, you know, especially in a COVID year like this where we don't know, you know, how many guys are going to be out, rotations might be kind of thin, never hurts to have a guy like that. So I thought that was a fine pickup as well. Yeah, man. Wow. This this already in the minutes that we spent doing this has already been a deeper dive into Atlanta than I even I thought going in. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm glad you come with this. Is why I love doing it with you. But like in my mind, I'm like oh, da, 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 decent. But like you bring in. Yeah. Going down to Tony Snell, which I, I got to remember to be ready for these deep dives when we go with uh, Justin here. But like real talk. I mean, ultimately, I think that this is made. This is a, these were moves that had to be made. Um, not these exact signings, but this type of move, this type of signing in order to restore some kind of order. Because it was getting a little unrestful in Atlanta. You had that friction with Trey Young already and, you know, the coaching staff uh, management already. Uh, the roster they had tried out last year, several iterations of that were just terrible. It was rough. So we'll have to see how this goes. But at least now, are you confident enough to think that they're a playoff team this year? I think they probably are. Um, I think. Right now, they're probably the favorites to get the eight seed, and if not, they'll definitely be in that nine ten conversation. And even if they do slip there, I, I think that there's a good chance that you know they're they're one of the better teams in the playoffs in the play in tournament. And I think we'll end up seeing them in the real playoffs. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see how that goes down. I'm with it. I agree. Uh, play in most certainly, unless you know drastic injuries. I don't know how else, especially in the bottom half of the East. I think they can make a little bit of noise, but um, let's go from that to Boston. Let's get uh get right on to them. No transition needed for this. Uh, Boston. Who do they add? Uh, Aaron Naismith in the draft, 14th overall. Uh, going with the draft as well. Peyton Pritchard, 26th, and then Yam Madara, 47th. In free agency, they uh got Tristan Thompson from Cleveland, Jeff Teague from Atlanta. Uh, basically retained Taco Fall in that two-way. They lost Vincent Poirier uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Ennis Cantor returned to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, though, though, I mean, in a trade, those two happened. In free mm-hmm. agency, they lost Gordon Hayward to the Hornets and Brad Wanamaker to the Warriors. All in all, I'm not going to lie, I'm not very high on what Boston did, not only with who they lost in terms of Hayward and Wanamaker, but who they brought in in terms of Jeff Teague in particular, but also to a lesser extent, Tristan Thompson. Well, before we get into anything, I do have to note that I have a soft spot in my heart for Tristan Thompson. Of so course. Cavs I, 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 I mean, you're never going to catch me saying a bad thing about him. Um, just looking at some of their losses first, uh, the Gordon Hayward thing was kind of weird. Um, overall, they did end up getting a trade exception out of it. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be able to use that full trade exception this year because they're hard-capped. Um, looking at this offseason, maybe not this offseason, but next offseason before that exception expires, maybe then they can look at adding a big player if they want to, or they can use a portion of it during the season as long as they do, again, stay under that hard cap. But, um, yeah, 
Yeah, they, they had a chance to trade. I, I, I'm interested to hear, you know, what your opinion is on, obviously you heard reports that, you know, they could have done a sign and trade with Indiana that would have brought Miles Turner back to Indiana in the, you know, kind of Gordon Hayward deal. Would you have rather had Miles Turner, who, again, is making, you know, $18 million a year, um, you know, hasn't really lived up to what people might have thought he was going to be, but would you have rather had uh, a guy like Miles Turner than, you know, Tristan Thompson and whatever else? Oh, absolutely. I think in Turner you have someone who, you know, uh, rebounds the ball. He can space the floor in a way that Thompson simply cannot, even though Thompson apparently did start taking threes in Cleveland last year. Um, I, I don't who, expect that to be a thing in Boston. <laughs> I was going to say, thank you, yeah. I don't think I, that's going to happen. I also would be surprised if Brad Stevens were to let that were to let that go. I, I just don't see that as a thing. Um, with that being said, I um, – I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super high on it. I think that I. I. I'm not super high on the fact that they got Tristan if that if they had the opportunity to draft or not to draft, but to trade for Miles Turner. I think that Turner fits in in a way to open the floor to give Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum a lot more room to operate. Can do a, a lethal pick and pop uh, with Kemba Walker. Maybe encourage him to take more threes. He seems more effective that way. Has somewhat of an in-between, of, of an in-game, but can rebound as well defensively. I think is a lot more of an impact player than Thompson, even though Thompson has a lot more reputation. I just think that in, in Boston, you have solid coaching and a scheme that I think would maximize more of his potential than in Indiana, where when he's not sharing with uh, DeMontis Sabonis, he's not being utilized to his full effectiveness so the fact that they said nah oh, also another thing to add real quick upside because i feel that turner has upside that thompson just doesn't but to say no we're gonna get thompson and and, and go with that long term where you know exactly who he is and you take that over what not only you have with turner what you could have with turner i don't know i don't think it was a wise decision especially when you consider what they ultimately end up getting back for going return like looking at it from player to player and in terms of actual return i think obviously you know miles turner is the best player of the two you know looking at just just solely tristan or miles i think miles is definitely probably the better player i think part of the concern for indiana is just the fact that you know he hasn't taken some of the leaps that some have expected to him to and he's making 18 million dollars you know a season for the next three years which again on a team that you know might be getting a little bit pricey with kemba and jason and um, J- Jalen Brown, I don't know why I couldn't think of him for a second. But, you know, that, that's a team that, you know, you're going to have to pay some guys. And if they feel like maybe they just don't, you know, it's not worth spending that money, I guess I get it. But overall, I do like the fit because, again, you know, he's not going to share the floor with another big in DeMontis a bonus. He's not going to be relied on to create offense because they have Kemba, Jalen, and Jason. Um you know, he, he can space the floor a little bit, and they have guys that can find him. You know, we'll have to see how, you know, a guy like Jason Tatum progresses as a playmaker. But, yeah, overall, yeah. I, I'm not as high on Miles Turner as I once was. I think he's kind of, again, he, he's never going to be a real, you know, offensive threat in any way, I don't think. He's just kind of going to kind of be fine, you know, be able to protect the rim. But I think that's kind of what this Boston team needed. So, overall, you know, I, I'll get off of that now. I think, you know, it was – Maybe a missed opportunity, but I can also kind of understand why they didn't do it. Looking at some well, like, of the additions, this, uh-huh. what were we saying? What were we saying? No, I'm sorry. I was saying, yeah, like a limited player, yes. But a limited player whose actual, like, attributes positive in that vein would fit perfectly with Boston, in my opinion. So I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah, yeah. 
looking at some of the additions that this team made, obviously they're, they're two free agent acquisitions, like you said, Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. Um, well, like I said, I, I, well, I, I am a little bit leaning towards, you know, they should have maybe gone for Miles Turner. I do like Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, they gave him the full mid-level for a couple of years, which, again, does hard cap them this season, which limits their, you know, ability to use that full trade exception that they got for Gordon Hayward, but they can also use that down the road as long as, you know, it's within a year of the deal. So it's not like they'll never be able to use it. And they're not right at the hard cap line right now anyway, and they pretty much have a set roster. So that's not going to be too big of a concern this year, I don't think. Um, you know what Tristan gives you. Um, they needed another center. And I, I, I like you – know, a lot has been made of, you know, Boston center rotation being their weakness. I really don't think that's the case. Uh, you know, obviously they don't have a star-level guy there, but you have Daniel Tice, the Time Lord, and now Tristan Thompson. Um, I think that's fine. You know, Time Lord's going to have another year, Robert Williams, um, of, of growth and, you know, just maybe understanding the game a little bit better than he has in years past. We'll have to see, um, you know, just how, how he looks as far as this field. That's never really been a strong suit. But, you know, a guy who can soak up some minutes there, I think – not having, you know, Vincent Poirier and Ennis Cantor on the roster, like those two guys were kind of just unplayable bigs at this point. Their center rotation, there's nobody here who's really going to be unplayable. Um, Tristan Thompson can play minutes for you in big minutes. Daniel Tice can play big minutes. Um, Robert Williams, obviously, we saw was effective in the playoffs last year. And you also have Grant Williams, who can play some small ball five for you in the right matchups. So I think that their center rotation is going to be fine. Um, you know, maybe there was a bigger fish out there that they could have gone for, but I think that in itself is okay. I think I, I a lot of people didn't like their draft picks. Um, I thought maybe, you know, picking Peyton Pritchard was getting ahead of themselves a little bit. Like, I think Peyton Pritchard's going to be fine. And I guess, you know, you look at, you know, Jeff T, you know, we don't know what he's going to be, so maybe Peyton Pritchard kind of steps into that backup point guard role. But I really like Aaron Neesmith. Um, he was somebody that I was high on coming into the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, you know, when's the last time that Boston has had a real knockdown guy like that off the bench? Um, I Ray, think he's another guy. Ray who really Allen in 2012? Yeah. I mean, you know, another, he's a rookie. He might get off to a little bit of a slow start. But if this is a guy that you now have under team control for the next four years, you know, at least, like, that's a very valuable guy to take. Like, I'm not sure who – Boston fans wanted at that spot. Like Aaron Neesmith is a wing. Wing depth is always great to have, and he's a shooter, and shooting is always great to have. Like I'm not sure what the big problem here is. I, I get you. I, I get. I mean, I guess I don't. I didn't have a problem with the selection on its face. I think I'm more concerned now with having to rely on him more than you would with the loss of Hayward. Um. Well, with that being said, I do think it was a solid move. I mean, I don't understand the, the hate there, especially when, I mean, it's a wing-dominated league. Like, the more talented wings you have, the better, especially when they bring offensive uh, shooting. Uh, off. I was going to say offensive versatility, but what I mean to say is just lights out shooting in the way that they did. You know what I mean? Like, in my mind, that that's what you want, right? So, 
I'm not sure where that hates Miss Guy. I mean, the guy shot 50% from three. Now, mind you, you know, uh, not a whole lot of attempts, all that, I mean, all that good stuff and whatever. But he like he's shown that he's a good shooter. He's someone who has decent size. You can deploy him in these lineups that are all the rage now. We have three wings. You know, you can put Jalen Brown at the two and play him and Tatum at the three or the four. Uh, I mean, it works. I don't understand what the issue is about it, but. You know, people are going to have problems, especially when drafted. Everyone's a draft expert around that time. So it's all it's all funny yeah, that way. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's it's that's just it's a load. But like going into uh, going into what I, I don't like about them. Let, let's do that for a little bit. I, I think that while Jeff Teague brings more shooting potential off the bench than Brad Wanamaker, he looked straight cooked uh, last year. I mean, he played in Minnesota, looked lost. He went to Atlanta and was an upgrade in the sense that they did not have a backup point guard at all. And he was now better than Brandon Goodwin. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, I mean, it, and that's the problem. Like, Brandon Goodwin is like, you have the bar, you have several layers of hard packed dirt, and then you have Brandon Goodwin. You know, and, and somewhere in between that is where you had Jeff Teague. And it's like, okay, I mean, I didn't think he'd be in the NBA this year. Not that he's a bad guy, but at least like a very minimum deal, much less someone who's going to have to have a, a lot more minutes, especially with Kemba Walker, you know, being out at least for the start of the season. So I don't like that move at all. Also, I, I don't know. Maybe this is nitpicking. Um, okay, it, it is nitpicking, but I don't know if – where is your Gordon Hayward replacement? Like, the guy wasn't – he's not worth worth that contract. We'll get to that later. He's not worth what he got from Charlotte. But the dude was a very good player who had moments for Boston, was integral to, like, their success, you know, during the regular season. And now you go without that. And are you going to replace that by committee? Because you're not finding that balance of scoring, playmaking, and decent defense that you got from Hayward. And it doesn't seem like the Celtics – I mean, they fell for the one thing you don't want to do. If you lose someone, like, don't lose them for nothing or, or basically nothing. And I don't see that, that depth piece of replacement there. Well, it was kind of difficult, and I think as far as obviously Gordon Hayward was a great piece for them to have, and overall this team is worse than they were last year probably just because they lost a great talent in Gordon Hayward, but I'm just not sure what they were supposed to do if it wasn't getting Miles Turner. You know, some people kind of talked about, That's you know, true. what can they do in a sign-and-trade with Charlotte? Like, were they going to bring back Terry Rozier? Do it, like, is that No, no, I, I, okay, <laughs> I guess. I, I, I forgot who I'm talking to here. Also, um, would you rather have him than Jeff Teague? Just saying. At $18 million, I don't know. And especially, oh, yeah. like, if you want to be back in Boston, I, get, like, I, I don't know about that. I see that. what you're saying. I see what you're saying. For the money, but, no, but, like, much more effective, especially with the year you had last oh, year. Well, I digress. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, much more effective. But overall, um, mm-hmm. you know, I expected Jeff Teague to be in the NBA this year. I thought he'd get another contract. That's not from Atlanta, from somewhere else, and that's what happened. Uh, I, I think having him on a minimum is fine. Sure. Uh, I think you, you're really, really hoping that um, that Kemba Walker is going to be back before too long, because he's not a guy you want to rely on too much. But he is just, you know, a steadying presence there. Uh, obviously, you know, has been around for a long time and just kind of knows how to play the position. So I, I'm not too upset with that but you're talking about just a gordon hayward replacement i I think we i mean we've seen this team without gordon hayward so long you know even when gordon hayward was on the roster like i think that the combination of jason tatum you know jason tatum what was i saying jalen brown i keep forgetting jalen brown i I know man he's he's a a good guy he's a good guy but i get it (laughs) like I, i don't know 
But and then you bring in a guy like Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith is by no means Gordon Hayward, but like you still have a very very good wing rotation. Like I think there that you're gonna be okay. Obviously, you know you lose a lot of playmaking by losing a guy like Gordon Hayward, but overall, like I think they're still gonna be okay in that regard. Um, and obviously, we'll we'll have to see what Peyton Pritchard brings as well. You know, talking about Jeff Teague again, I wasn't super high on him. Boston obviously was. We'll just have to see, you know, what he is. I'm not sure. But one just kind of minor thing, too, that I I didn't love about this for them, just their offseason in general, was, and I knew that they kind of had a roster crunch. You know, they just had so many guys, you know, that they had to give roster spots to. But um, I I really wanted to see Tremont Waters get on the full roster this year. He's still on a two-way forum, so, you know, there's still the the, the opportunity next year. But I really wanted to see him get on the roster. And I think at this point, it's probably going to be Javante Green who gets that final roster spot. Um, obviously, they brought back they brought back Semi Ojale as well on like a $1.7 million deal. So I, I think that was that was a team option for him that they picked up this offseason. Mm-hmm. So, Decent player. And, you know, that's another guy who is, you know, kind of in that wing rotation for him. Obviously, can't do a thing on offense, but a good defender. Um but just overall kind of disappointed, like I said, that they couldn't get Tremont Waters in there because that's somebody who I thought you, – you talk about, you know, just backup point guards, and obviously that guy's little. But yeah. another guy would have brought, you know, a little bit of playmaking and who I think has a future as an impactful NBA player. So a little bit disappointed they didn't find a way to get him there. No, I'm with you on that. I get you. I have one last question about um, Boston here. Do you think that they'll really feel the loss of Brad Wanamaker, who – I can't say I was too high on person as a player. I mean, he's just not my type of guard in that way. But someone who was a connector for that second unit hit just enough threes to be effective on that way. Um, you know, seen by all accounts, beloved in the locker room and everything. Like, do you think that that is a loss? A loss that's that's. I mean, it's a loss, obviously. But do you think it's a loss that um, Boston may feel well into the season, or is it something that hey, you know, we lost a guy who was a fan favorite, but minimum for a minimum type deal. I think it's more minimum for minimum. And obviously, again, he was someone that, you know, guys around Boston really liked. Uh, I think he's a better shooter than Jeff Teague overall. But, again, I think Brad Wanamaker is probably better than Jeff Teague. But is he really that much better than Jeff Teague? Like, (laughs) is it really going to be to the extent where, you know, you're like, man, God, we're we're really missing Brad Wanamaker right now. Like, I don't think we're going to be hearing a whole lot of that from Boston. I think Jeff Teague is going to be fine, Um, you know, I can't even remember off the top of my head what deal Brad Wanamaker got from Golden State. But um, overall, I I don't think it's going to be, you know, a terrible loss for them. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, all in all, I'm with you on it. I I was just wondering because I didn't see him. By the way, it's, um, what, one year, uh, 2.2 mil? Was it a minimum? Yeah, it looks like the men. Okay, well. I mean, I, 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 the way I was reading, of course, you know, they don't want to say it like that, the um, agent. So it's the one year, two point twenty five, but that that's essentially that. So, okay. Well, I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I think it's actually it is a little bit above the minimum, maybe. So maybe Boston just said, you know, like we're giving you the minimum or nothing. He got a tiny bit more than that from Golden State. And so. Boston was like, forget you, we're done. You got that. Good luck. Get your money, right? Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague, Peyton Pritchard. Here we go. I mean, listen, I like Payton. I like Payton. I will give you that. You know, uh, I think there is something there. I just don't know if it's this year. But, yeah, I don't know. 14, that's contending. Um, 
I don't know if these moves help them move the needle upwards. You know what I mean? That's my final thoughts on this. And they make the playoffs, most certainly. Uh, do I expect them to be super high or am I super high on Boston as a team? It really you're, – you're putting a heck of a lot on the development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I don't know if you would have wanted to relieve some of that pressure. And you had the opportunity to, in my opinion. Yeah, like I said, overall, I don't think this team is as good as last year, but I still think that they're one of those teams in the East that has a shot at making the finals, if nothing else. And we're, I mean, a lot of what this team is going to, you know, come down to is what type of leap do Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum take, and yeah. how healthy Walker. Like, if if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown come out looking really, really good, if Jason takes another leap and Kemba can come back healthy, like I think this team will be right back there as a, you know potential conference finals team, potential finals team, perhaps, you know, I, I think in the end they'll be fine. Yeah. I, I, I'm again, I, I think, you know, they lost they're, overall. They're worse. They're worse now than they were at the end of the bubble. But I, I don't think that they're, you know, I don't think they're done by any stretch. I see what you mean. I definitely see what you mean. We probably milked a whole lot of time on Boston. And even we both thought going in, but solves, um, <laughs> Could they have done better? Yes. Are they totally out the game? No. But let's talk. You you mentioned the finals contending team. Uh, this many people have uh, this team we're about to jump into is another one. The Brooklyn Nets. Let's kind of talk about what they did. Uh, draft not really too much. They're the 57th pick. Uh, ultimately they took Reggie Perry. Don't even know what else to add about that. Um, in a trade they acquired Bruce Brown uh, for Zan Musa. Uh, they also got Landry Shamet in a trade with the Clippers. Um, in free agency they picked up Jeff Green from the Rockets after he had a pretty Pretty solid uh, half season with the Rockets and a very strong bubble, in my opinion, with them as well. Uh, Who they lost, uh, aside from Musa, uh, they lost Garrett Temple in free agency to uh, the Bulls. Also, uh, all the ones they signed before they went to the bubble uh, and some from last year. So I'm just going to read them through real quick. Jamal Crawford, Justin Anderson, Lance Thomas, Michael Beasley, Wilson Chandler, Chris Chilza, Donta Hall, Tyler Johnson, and Jeremiah Martin. Although I do think Johnson's back. Unless Tyler I got that Johnson, wrong. they did put back on the minimum, yeah. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm not, my page is a little outdated here. I have to update that on the fly. But I'm like, I do remember seeing Tyler Johnson. I know Chris Chilza was brought back, but I think he just got cut or he just got, got waived uh, yes, yesterday. So, yeah, that happened there too. So with that being said, I mean, I think the biggest uh, – Additions are the ones that you've had pretty much since last year. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You only had Kyrie Irving for 20 games, but now you're expecting a full year from him and the return of Kevin Durant. In the preseason, both looked very solid, in my opinion. So now you add them, defender and Bruce Brown, a shooter and Landry Shamet, some of the core you already had, including Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Justin. I feel pretty solid about this team. I think they're in the upper echelon of the East, um, assuming health. And I, and unless you want to pick any of these moves apart, I do like uh, the pickup of Bruce Brown. Yeah, well, we can start with Bruce Brown. Uh, that was kind of a weird deal. Uh, I think, you know, maybe a couple seconds got sent back. Or I think it was one second rounder got sent back along with John and Musa. John and Musa sucks. Like, I'll just come out and say that. We can get to that when we get to the Pistons, too. Like, he just got waved For today. Real. Like. Well, again, we'll, we'll get into that move more when we get to the Pistons. There are a lot of bad things the Pistons did, and this was one of them, yep. just giving up on Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is, I think, a, a very good player for, you know, Brooklyn. I think he's going to be great there. Um, he hasn't been, you know, too great in the preseason, but just a hard-nosed guard who's, you know, going to really work hard and, you know, a good defender on, you know, a, a minimum deal this year, essentially. And, and you know, you're going to have to pay him after this, but I don't think he's going to be something that's too expensive to keep. Um Overall, just I, I think 
yeah, a, a really, really good move to get that. Like that was that was fantastic by Brooklyn. Just to mm-hmm. you know, just to put it out there, like you got a guy who can be a rotational guard for you in the playoffs, basically for nothing for Jonathan Musa in a second round pick. That's probably going to end up being in the latter half of the second round. So really good work there by them. Um, Reggie Perry, you said they drafted. Uh, he's got converted to a two-way contract, so probably not going to see a whole lot of him this year. Um, they, 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 like you said, they brought back Tyler Johnson. Uh, I, I think Tyler Johnson was a, a a good player for them in the bubble. Again, in, in a year like this where you know COVID is going to be a concern and he might have players testing positive, and just, it's just going to be a condensed season, so you know maybe Kyrie rests a little bit more. You know, maybe he had deals with injuries again. Maybe Kevin Durant does. But looking at just, you know, that guard spot in particular, having guard depth with a quality player like Tyler Johnson, I don't think he's going to be a part of their regular rotation. Mm-hmm. But it's a fine move. It's a veteran minimum one year. Um, I, I really like the Jeff Green signing, too. Yeah. <laughs> Did we do it with Ish Smith, where we were, like, going over all the teams that he played for? I don't have a Yeah, yeah, we so did. Like, where has where has Jeff Green been now? So he I was know. he's with the uh, Nets now. He was with the Rockets last year. Before yeah. he was with the Rockets, he was with the Jazz. He got waived for Rajon Tucker, who did nothing for them. Um, he was with the Wizards before that. He was with the yeah. Cavs before that. He was with like the Magic before that. Did he have a stop with the Clippers? He was with. He had a stop the with the Boston. Clippers. He had a cup of coffee with the Grizzlies. Um. He obviously had Boston and then OKC. Okay, I don't see, know. That's yeah, that's where he started. Also, him and uh, and in fact, him and uh, Kevin Durant are actually the last two uh, Seattle. Was he a Supersonic? Yeah. He was. So, there you go. so him and KD are the last two Supersonics uh, still in the NBA, um, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, but yeah, I'm looking up Jeff that Green now wild. just to make sure. Yeah, it's insane. Just to make sure we didn't miss any teams, but no. Yeah, I think we nailed it. So it was, uh, yep, Supersonics a year, Oklahoma, uh, Boston, Memphis, Clippers, Magic. You nailed it, man. Cavs, Wizards, Utah, and Houston. I think last year actually was the highest scoring stint uh, over three years since Washington. Uh, he played center in, in a lot yeah. for Houston, did that very well. He could be at small ball four and five. You know, they already talked about uh, KD playing the five, some, so Jeff Green playing that, and the four. Uh, someone who can swing to the three in supersized lineups. You know, like, I like his play. He definitely refound his three ball. I mean, he's a 33% three-point shooter for his career, so it's not like it's totally gone, but he's had – so he was 35 in that 18-game. Uh, exactly, exactly, particularly from the corners. Um, Really solid there. Played really well, just played really well. So I'm really excited about the – he's 34, but, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he's not going to be given, uh, like, a ton of minutes. I think he's going to do – what the Nets hoped Wilson Chandler would have done last year. I think, yeah, that's definitely kind of what you're looking for here. And I was actually, yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that, you know, he was playing center for the Rockets. I was going to mention that, you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that from him this year. But I also didn't really factor in the fact that Kevin Durant, you know, has already, you know, Steve Nash has come out and said that we're going to, that they're going to play Kevin Durant at five. So we could very yeah. well see, you know, Jeff Green doing the same thing. I think we've seen that it worked last year. So that's kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, that's, that's another yeah. nice little wrinkle there that you have. And I think, you know, getting a guy like that for the minimum, like how does Jeff Green keep getting minimums? Like nobody will offer him like a biannual exception with like three or $4 million a year. Like 
I Come mean, on, man. Someone paid Jeff Green. Like, it's just a minimum every time. And he's like, you know, oh, this is like one of the best minimum guys in the league. And then they think, he'll, they think they'll get burnt. I guess, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're expecting I, to drop off and it's just not happening. Like, Jeff Green just keeps on going. Yeah. He, he do what he do. You said it. So we have to see how that looks. I mean, here's the thing for me. I think his last big contract was that, um, what did he get? He got that did one year 15 mil. That one year, yeah, that one year 15 mil from Orlando. That was like, that was like the Bismack Biombo signing. That was, was that 16? Was that the summer of 16 of that? Happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that one year. Yeah. He had just come away from the Clippers. Uh, he had done the Grizzly Clipper stint, and then he went over in free agency on like a one-year balloon deal, which I guess was to yeah. maximize effectiveness there. But the problem is like, you know, you kind of know what you're getting with Jeff Green. You know what I mean? Very solid player. Yeah, that was the highest one he had. Uh, before that, he was making, you know, based off what he had. Uh, yeah, ever since then, 15 mil and, uh, or, you know, in very degree since then. That was a crazy uh, year. That was a crazy uh <laughs> Team and for the record, um, for that Magic team, let me see what what Jeff Green did. Uh, he's 69 games. He only started 11. Uh, Dean Mill, you got nine points, three rebounds, and an assist on oh. his worst three point shooting season. I want to say of his career, he shot 27 percent from three that year. Um, his worst three point shooting season before that was his first season in Seattle. Yeah. So talk but, about yeah, no return on you know, investment. Yeah, but but since then, you know, I mean, the bounce back has been here. I, it has. Obviously, he's great for the Cavs in that one year. Um, went to Washington. Washington just wasn't a good team then, but I thought he was uh, fine. Um, and, and since then, you know, he's just he's been solid. I don't think he should have been waived, you know, by the Jazz. I thought the Jazz could have used him, especially when they lost Bojan Bogdanovic. So, you know, I thought that was a questionable move by them. And overall, like you said, I think he's just going to be a good, very versatile guy who you know what you're going to get from for the Nets. I think that this was a great signing for them at the minimum. Yeah, really. I mean, it's a really good depth piece for sure. Yeah. And the last guy that we have here is Landry Shamit, um, who still has two years left on his rookie scale contract. Obviously, we know what Landry Shamit does. He shoots the ball and he does it at a high level. Um, That was kind of in that deal that basically – the Nets got Landry Shamit, the Clippers got Luke Kennard, and the Pistons got Sadiq Bey. I don't remember all the specifics of that move. There were a lot of moves in a short period of time. Like <laughs> it was hard for me to keep up with, you know, the exact specifics of each and every transaction. And things got changed later when they were made official. So I don't know everything that went down there. Hey, but, you broke it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Landry Shamit, you know is just another one of those guys who is going to be really, really valuable next to Kyrie and KD, someone who doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot, and someone who's just going to space the floor. Um, you know, you, you put you, you put Landry Shamit and Joe Harris next to KD and Kyrie and whoever the center is, like that is a nice spaced-out floor for those two to work and just do whatever they need to do. So I think, you know, a great pickup there. And just having them, you know, again, for – Two million this year, three point seven million next year. Like that's a great guy to have. No, it really is. It really is. I was gonna say, speaking of you dropped, you know, great help for Kyrie and KD. Um, what do you think about? And these are two guys who obviously have already been with the with the Nets for a minute now. But 
between Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, do you see them staying the entire season with the Nets? And how do you see them meshing if not, or if so? I think that the really the only realistic way that they get sent out this year is in a trade for James Harden, which at this point I don't know what's going to happen with James Harden. I really don't. Um, and we we didn't talk about it with Boston, but maybe Boston gets involved there. Maybe Philly gets involved. Miami. Oh gets man! Like I have no clue where James Harden is going to go. I don't know what teams are interested in him. You know, everybody I feel like is interested in him to a degree, except for the Bucks who said they're out. But it's like, I, I really don't know. And the Rockets asking price right now is so astronomically high as well. I don't expect it to happen anytime soon unless something really, really, you know, blows up in Houston with Harden. And they just say, you know, we need to get this guy out of here as soon as possible. But I definitely think that these guys will be on the team for a good chunk of the season. And another thing we've seen Steve Nash say is that, you know, maybe he's going to kind of move Karis LeVert into that Manu Ginobili type role. And I I think that that's kind of an area where he could succeed best because I I don't view Karis LeVert as a starter on this team. I just think his fit with Kyrie and Katie is poor. And overall, you you have other starting caliber guys. You have a Landry Shamit, even a Bruce Brown, if you really want to start him. Uh, You could go Joe Harris at the two, KD at the three. And then whoever at the four, um, Tarion Prince is in there as well. You know, maybe you start him. Yeah, you but have I, some I, options there. Yeah. I, 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 obviously, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, too. Um, I, I like both of these guys, but I do think they're just going to kind of be the point guard and shooting guard off the bench. And I think that that's fine. You know, I like you know, people are kind of concerned about the fit a lot. Um, I, I think you know, bringing these guys off the bench is where they're going to be best. And – you never know, you know, how Kyrie's going to be. You never know if he's going to rest. You never know if he's going to get injured. He's dealt with injuries the past few years now quite a bit. And in that case, obviously, then you want Spencer Dinwiddie there. If in, you know, worst-case scenario, Kevin Durant gets hurt as well, that's where, you you know, you can just kind of hand that offense over to Karis LeVert. Uh, we'll have to see the, the type of and, – and obviously, that's a doomsday scenario. I don't even want to think about that more than I have to. But um, – Karis LeVert, I, we, we're going to have to see how his shot develops because through his career, I think like he's been a better pull-up three-point shooter than he has been catch-and-shoot, which is weird. Uh, it's not something you see very often. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, the fit there is not great, and you, you can't really deny it. But I think you know if, if you can just kind of let him come off the bench and you know ha- let guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and and Karis LeVert, I think that having guys like that is helpful because now you don't have to worry so much about staggering Kyrie and KD. You can play yeah. them on the floor at the same time because you have two guys like those two who would work best, you know, when they can be on the floor at the same time and they don't have to worry about, you know, playing with one of those stars. You know, they're, they're best without one of the stars on the floor where they can really have the ball in their hands and do what they need to do. And I don't think that's going to kill this team because those are two very good players. So I think that allows you to play Kyrie and Katie together more. You don't have to stagger those minutes to keep a star on the floor. So overall, you know, if they trade him for James Harden, great. Like, you know, there's been a lot of debate over how would James Harden fit on this team. I don't care, you know. <laughs> he would have to fit. One basketball jokes all you want. Like, it's freaking James Harden, Kyrie, and Katie. Like, they're going to score 300 points a game. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you do it if you can. But – uh, unless you have a James Harden deal on the, on the, on, you know, in the works on the, you know, that you can feel confident about. Yeah. 
yeah, like I'm I'm fine keeping these two guys. I think that there is a way to make it work, even if it's you know it's going to require a little bit of creativity. Oh, I get you. I, I can agree. I mean, I think the bottom line between Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, we have seen them be due to injury. You know, between D'Angelo Russell a couple years back, uh, with um, Kyrie Irving last year. I mean, they've had to both step or Jeremy Lin before that. Uh, even they've had to step up and you know be starters and take over that role and they're very competent players in that way so you're right I guess it's just the meshing of talent you know what I mean I don't want it to be like a um and I don't think it, it is but it can definitely have the potential of feeling very 2019 2020 Clippers like yeah and so obviously yeah, that's, that's one thing that you don't want it. huh yeah, that's an interesting way to put it but yeah and this is going to be you know one of those boomer bust teams really like this is a team that could finish the top of the East. This is a team that could finish sixth in the East. That's depending on how things break. You know, maybe the fit there isn't as well as I think it'll work out. You know, maybe there's just drama with Kyrie. Maybe, you know, KD starts crying about whatever. So there's definitely ways that this team could not work out. But I am confident that it will, personally. Hey, I get you, man. I, I'm, I'm, we're going to wait and see. It's going to come. It starts in uh, two short days. So really pumped to check that out. Um, Let's talk about... um. <laughs> Let's talk some fun here. Let's talk about um, America's team. No, I'm kidding. The Charlotte, um, the Charlotte Hornets. Yes, I love <laughs> Yes, I'm pumped, man. Let's do it. Okay, so in the draft, uh, I, I start with draft, free agency, who they lost. Draft, LaMelo Ball, obviously the big uh, draft acquisition, third overall. Vernon Carey Jr. out of Duke, 32nd overall. They had a few draft picks. Nick Richards, uh, 42nd. Grant Ryler, 56th. And Nate Darling is on draft on a two-way deal. In free agency, uh, they acquired Gordon Hayward, uh, signed trade, and then uh, re, uh, reacquired Bismack Biombo, or should I say retained. Um, in free agency, who they lost, Dwayne Bacon, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez, Kobe Simmons, and Ray Spaulding. Obviously, I think we have to start with LaMelo Ball. And... I can't. I gotta say, for where he was when the Hornets went to draft, I don't. I don't think this was a miss. I think you had to make this move, and I think they made the right one. What do you think? Oh no, they without a doubt made the right move. You know, you're drafting number three. Uh, a lot of people had Lamelo Ball as the number one guy on the board. Um, I, 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 you know, with so much of the, of the research and coverage that I did of the draft was from a Cavs lens, and yeah. I, just, I didn't love the fit with him in Cleveland. But overall, he was probably the best player on my board as well. So, yeah, definitely, without a doubt, without a doubt, the right move to make there. That's true. And, like, right now, you know, LaMelo's already impressed, um, at least with his passing, um, his shot making, man. I mean, he had a game, what, 18 points, five assists against the Magic a couple days ago, but he's also had some really rough shooting nights, um, even on his uh, 18 points, 7 to 17, 4 and 9 from 3. Um, he's had some games where he's just had his mate. It's been a, it's been a, I mean, he's a rook. So a lot of it is just all of the hype he's going to get. Uh, I think it just – his playmaking is great, and his um, shooting and scoring, as was talked about before draft, is uh, a boom or bust, hit or miss. Uh, you know, give a little, and then you have a little that you wish he had uh, reconsidered for a shot making. But I do like his fit there. I think he can clearly be the, the, the building block of the future. And I think so far he's meshed well, uh, especially with some good chemistry with Miles Bridges. Yeah, I think, you know – with a guy who, you know, just has the, the feel and the IQ at that level, like, he has built chemistry with these guys incredibly quick. And, you know, that, that alone speaks to, you know, just the type of player that he is. There are definitely concerns with LaMelo. Um, you know, he, he, he is 
long and, and lanky, but he is really thin too at six seven. So you know, th- there's maybe a chance that he becomes a, bad, a good defender at some point. I don't think we're, he's going to be a good defender. I think he's going to be a flat out bad bad defender this year. I have some some concerns as far as the scoring goes as well. Like I'm not sure how much he's really going to be able to get his shot all the time. You know, at this level, uh, the, the jump shot still kind of scares me a little bit. And he has a really really nice floater game. But as far as just, you know, making strong finishes, again, he's just so thin right now. And you know, I'm not really sure how he's going to work, you know, shooting, you know, you know, taking contact. We're, we're just going to have to see there. But obviously, man, just watching him play, what a fun player. Like, the, the passes that he's making, obviously, like, for a rookie in his first few preseason games to have as many, you know, sports center highlight plays as he has, just with, you know, incredible passes, like, who's the last guy that we've seen that just, you know, casually throws these magnificent passes like this? Just, you know, just casually. I, I've been I, I'm trying not, to like, think about it. I don't know. Is it, is it white chocolate? Like, is that the last guy? That might be. Like, these complicated, intricate passes that are just another walk in the park for him. It has to be. Yeah. That's, what, two decades ago, yeah? Except for, like, Facundo Composito, who made that really nice backspin pass. Uh, shout out to Facundo. We'll get to him in the Western Conference. There, there you go. Exactly. That's going to be a fun one to get into for sure. But yeah, but, it just consistently, yeah. you have to say it's him. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think that Lamelo Ball is going to end up winning Rookie of the Year. Um, I actually, like I said, I, I absolutely love Isaac Okoro. We will get into him soon. But I just don't think he's going to have the flash that you know I think matters for Rookie of the Year. Um, you're just looking at players who you know. Oh, you know, LaMelo Ball is on SportsCenter every night. This is the guy who's on the voters' minds. You know, rookie of the year, boom, there you go. But um, I, I, I do think he's going to be a good player um, overall. I, I think he's going to fit fine with Devontae Graham in the backcourt. Uh, Devontae provides a little bit more shooting and spacing, you know, so that's someone who we can whip passes to out on the perimeter. So I, I think that that fit's going to work out just fine. You know, defensively they're going to be rough, but that's okay. You know, at least right now, you know, you hope that you're, there's some defensive progress that can be made there from at least Lamelo, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah. Looking at some of their other moves, uh, yeah, a lot of like you know just kind of minor draft acquisitions. We'll have to see what becomes of guys like Vernon Carey and you know Nick Richards and and Grant Riller, who Grant Riller, you know, received a little bit of buzz um, just as someone who can get his own shot. Obviously, there's a lot of flaws there. He's drafting like the 50s and he's on a two way, so. We'll see if he ever has, you know, anything to, to contribute at an NBA level. But someone who could be something maybe, you know, just a fun player. Um, do you want to get into the Gordon Hayward <laughs> addition? Yeah. Let, let's oh, do that. Like, let's uh, do that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I honestly don't know. Okay, I do know how I feel. I just don't understand why it was made. Well, let, let, before we even get to the contract and everything, why did you want Gordon Hayward? And I don't mean that he's a very good basketball player. You have all the talent you have. But right now, you have a lot of young guys on the team. He's going to take minutes away from that. And he's not even going to take minutes that, okay, to help you guys. Aside from being a lead in the locker room, you, you, you aren't winning anything. What, what? How much? I don't like to do the how much is Gordon Hayward worth in, like, wins type deal. But, like, let's be real. What, five? Is that I don't being, know. Yeah, oh, I mean, is that being over? I mean, he's not going to take – I mean – I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not so high on, on, on Gordon Hayward, but I don't know if he's a guy to take over games and, and get you in that way. And if you're not getting him for that, then you're paying an expensive uh, leadership role 
uh, for Hayward, where you already have guys like Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, who are going to be – well, not Malik Monk as much, but Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, whose minutes are going to be impacted. Uh, you have young guys like Dylan McDaniels and uh, Vernon Carey Jr. who come in. You have the Martins that are already on the team. I mean, there's some guys who could have significant time. You play bad as the Hornets. You develop these young guys. You get a good pick next year. You know, in a, in a really loaded draft class, and then you really start to, to to rebuild in that way. You know, adding Youngtown alongside Lamella Ballin, and with Gordon Hayward, I mean, you can definitely still get a high draft pick. But now, and and while you still have a relatively clean books moving forward, they aren't as clean as they could be for a guy who you're going to be paying into his mid thirties. Yeah, and that's that's definitely concerning. Um, you look at you know who he's taking minutes away from. I actually don't. I don't think he's going to take a bunch of minutes away from P.J. Washington in particular. I think P.J. Washington is, you know, I, I think Gordon Hayward is going to play a lot of small forward um, for this team. And I think P.J. Washington is probably going to be their power forward, and maybe we see him at five a little bit as well. But I don't think that P.J. Washington's minutes should be impacted too heavily. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges is the guy who you can look at and say, yeah, you know, your, your role is taking a minor step back. But I honestly don't hate that. Like, Miles Bridges is still a guy who has a lot of promise, but I feel like he hasn't lived up to what he could have exactly been up to this point. And I think maybe, you know, shifting him to a bench role where he can just kind of work in that role and just not have to deal with the starter responsibilities, if that makes sense, and just kind of do what he's good at. I think that that might end up actually coming around and benefiting Miles a little bit. It's just a backup 3-4. So I actually don't hate bringing him off the bench. Um, and, and then you look at the, some of the other guys, and it's like, yeah, you've got some young guys with potential here, but, you know, I mean, Jalen McDaniels, you know, Cody Martin. I, I still think that Caleb Martin, who is the most promising out of these three, is going to get minutes. I, I think they just need guard defenders, so I definitely feel, still think that he's going to get rotation minutes. Um, and, and if you don't have rules for, for Jalen McDaniels and Cody Martin, like, so be it, I think. Like, you got Gordon Hayward, and I think that Gordon Hayward is more valuable than what those guys are going to bring you. And you can still bring a guy like Jalen McDaniels along. You know, I mean, he's not someone who I projected to really have a big role with his team on the court anyway. I still think he's kind of a project who's a couple of years away, maybe. So, you know, we'll just have to see there. But, um, and, and that's, you talk about, you know, what Gordon Hayward brings on the court. And, you know, obviously, you know, having him and LaMelo is a huge boost for your playmaking. But, you look at the other aspect of it, which is really just kind of the financial aspect. Good Lord, they gave they gave Gordon Hayward $30 million a year. Like, come on. And one thing is, we've seen, and with Gordon Hayward, you know, the thing that I've kind of been with him is, you know, he's been injured a lot, but they're not, you know, injuries that are necessarily related to each other. Like, you know, he broke his ankle, and then he breaks his hand, and then he sprains his ankle, and then he breaks something else. You know, like, it's not like a knee injury that's, you know, like lingering over and over. It's not yeah. something that's you – know, none of his injuries are related. But the dude already broke his finger. Like, how long is he going to be out with that? Already I don't know. Sh- like, off the bat. Off the bat. How long until he breaks a couple of his toes? Like, it's just the worst luck with injuries in the league – and I get that, like, you know, you have to hope at some point, you know, it's just been bad luck. You know, these injuries aren't related. It won't happen forever. But when is it going to stop with him? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm, you're paying him $30 million into his mid-30s. I, 
Like, yeah. I understand that you want to get better, and I understand that you're a team who can push for the playoffs now. Again, I think they'll be in the play-in mix. You know, if that's if, if you're happy with that, then go for it, fine. But, like, is this really what you – like, this is really what you want your team to be? Like, how, there obviously there's an avenue to get this team to be better, but how much better? And you've limited your flexibility so much with Gordon Hayward. Like, yes, you're going to be more competitive now. And another thing is, like – they waived Nicholas Batum to make this work. Like they couldn't yeah. find somewhere to dump Nick Batum. So now instead of just eating, you know, his twenty-seven million dollars or whatever it was going to be this year, they now have to pay Nick Batum nine million dollars the next three seasons to literally do nothing. I mean, he didn't do anything on the court for him last year, but at least no. it was going to be over after the season. Now you have two. You have three more years of Nick Batum. So yeah, for no reason. You're, overall, pay, you're going to be paying two mid uh, NBA small forwards. Several yeah. years down the line, you're basically up until the last year of his contract. You're paying Gordon Hayward thirty nine million. You're spending thirty nine million dollars for what's going to be early to mid thirties Gordon Hayward. It's just not worth it. I, I I would love some. I was just saying, I would love to be a fly on the wall for some of these negotiations and thought process oh, in boy. terms of yeah. a team. You know, like. What would it take? You know what I mean? We have, you have, especially for NBA guys like ourselves, you know, we have a, a sports business classroom. You got GM school, all these other things. And then you see these moves being made. You're like, okay, these guys obviously didn't do these trainings. So where are they getting the, this, this, where are they getting these conclusions? Like what is going on? Um, this Gordon Hayward one is, is a move for me uh, in, in that vein. I don't want to, I mean, you, you did such a good job breaking it down. I want to go further down that well, but let's just be real. It was very confusing. Um, and, and I'm not sure at, at what cost. I don't see the Hornets contending this year, barring some big uh, free agent acquisition. I don't see them contending next year. And when I mean contending, I mean for a playoff spot. Like, they're going to be safely below that, in my opinion. I would love to be surprised. Um, as far as who they lost, I mean, aside from Dwayne Bacon, who looks so NBA-ready and actually see him play, uh, I don't think they lost anyone of real substance. So, I don't know. This team's going to be a fun team to watch. Definitely on my league pass team, but... uh. As far as aspirations, you know, by just before summer starts, I'm not optimistic. Another thing with this team that I don't think is the biggest deal in the world because they, they have time to add centers. There's plenty of them out there. But they did fail to address the center position. Um, yeah, they still yeah. have another year of Cody Zeller, and they brought back Bismack Biombo on a $3.5 million deal. Like, that's fine. It's whatever. But they, that that's one area that, you know, they, they had an opportunity to address this offseason and didn't. So, um you know, we'll have to see if, if they're just content to keep that or if they they look to make a move for a center during the season. But, yeah, I, I expect this team to be in one of those 9-10 play-in tournament spots, at least competing for it. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be fun. I hope that they do. Uh, you know, I'm a Hornets fan. Love my Terry Rozier. Devontae Graham uh, should have been most improved player last year. He had a breakout year in a very good way for those guys. So, um, yeah, I hope to see the talent mesh. You know, it'll be fun to see uh, how it all comes together. But, I, I, yeah, I will not lie and say that I think any of these moves are made, you know, uh, full, uh, with full reasoning of an NBA team, um, especially in terms of these contracts. It's just ridiculous to me. But let's let's move on from them. Uh, don't want to keep you on too long here, bro, even though we are we are going deep. Let's, let's run to uh, <laughs> I was, Chicago, I was huh? Time, actually. I was just looking yeah. at the time, actually. Before we got on here, we're like, yeah, you know, this will be like maybe 45 minutes. Like if it goes an hour, like that's cool. 
I apologize for making this so much longer than you may have anticipated, but... Uh, <laughs> no, no, dude, it's always fun doing this with you. I just, I know we both got stuff the next day, so I'm always like, oh, we'll, we'll make it this much. And then we go in deep and we're like, oh, snap. <laughs> but it's fun. I'm glad we're doing this. But we can also yeah. breeze through some of these that are, you know, less than uh, desirable here. But let's talk about Chicago. Uh, they drafted Patrick Williams fourth overall, uh, Marco Simonovich 44th, uh, and then Devon, Devon Dotson undrafted. They picked up Garrett Temple in free agency. They lost Chris Dunn to Atlanta, Shaquille Harrison, um, Adam Makoka, and Max Druss. Uh, the latter two, maybe you know more than I do, but I don't know. Um, what do you think about Chicago? I mean, they're pretty much retained the same team. I think their biggest move was uh, getting Coach uh, Donovan in and actually having a legit NBA coach. And maybe taking about running it back, we you know, with Zach Levine, Larry Markin, and Kobe White in the gang. Well, yeah, shout out to them for getting an actual NBA coach. Uh, I think Billy Donovan is going to be, if nothing else, better than what Jim Boylan was there. And I don't think that, you know, if you're just look like, and I don't think he was great, but like Jim Boylan, you know, for the flack that he gets, wasn't like the worst X's and O's tactical coach in the world. Like he wasn't by any stretch a good one, but he's like, he's not as bad as some guys made him out to be. I think the biggest problem for him is that, like, he was acting like he was coaching a high school team, like, making guys do push-ups in practice. Like, yeah, you're really going to make that team do push-ups right. in practice. Like, I, that, that was just the, the part that, you know, I think was the big problem there, is just his philosophy of how a team should be run. But anyway, yeah, looking at some of their additions, um, I will just say real quick, I really like Devon Dotson pickup, you know, as an undrafted guy who they have in a two-way now. Um, lightning quick, and just overall someone who, again, we're not going to see a bunch of them this year, but keep an eye on Devon Dotson, one of the better two-way signings around the league, I thought. Um, Patrick Williams, I thought, was a surprising pick. Um, yeah, yeah, like I agree. Nobody, nobody really saw that coming. Uh, I certainly didn't. I thought that they were going to go with either Isaac Okoro or Denny Abdia or even Obi Toppin, possibly. So Patrick Williams was a surprise there, but, I mean, Obviously, we know he was, you know, the fastest riser of the draft, you know, in that pre-draft period, and he's looked great in preseason. Like his handle is looking improved. Um, he he's just shooting the ball off the dribble with confidence. So they they might have something there in Patrick Williams. Like like I said, like he's he's looking a lot better than I expected him to this early. So I really don't mind that pick for him, you know, especially after getting to see him play a little bit. How do you feel about Patrick? I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I was like, okay, I, I thought this was, and this is a very, very poor analogy or, or comparison, but almost like uh, 2005 with the Hawks taking Marvin Williams. Like, this guy's a role player. Um, and for the selection that you drafted him, uh, that's pretty darn high. But he's played so he's played so pretty good so far from what I've seen. You know, I've, and I haven't even watched full Bulls games, really just uh, minutes here and there in league pass and clips. But, like, do I think he's going to be, like, a star? Mm, no, but I think he'd be a very, very good rotation player you know and in my and yeah. very good rotation player very solid starter and honestly in a draft where there's so many question marks it's not the worst thing in the world i mean star potentials playing this year yeah i i think that like i said especially you look at you know what what could you have gotten after that top three as far as you know star potential like i said i still think isaac okoro was the guy to take there but patrick yeah Williams yeah out by him. so you know no no real complaints there uh, other than that, you know, Chicago didn't have a really big offseason. They're just bringing guys back. You know, I think the biggest addition for them, other than maybe Patrick Williams, was bringing in, you know, Billy Donovan as a coach. 
you know, you're just really going to have to hope that he can turn things around with Larry Markin, who had really just a, a bad year last year. Um, you got to hope that he can stay healthy. You got to hope that Wendell Carter can stay healthy. You need to hope that, you know, Otto Porter Jr. can stay healthy. You know, Denzel Valentine has picked up his qualifying offer. You have to hope that he can stay healthy. There's just a lot of guys here that, you know, have, have dealt with, you know, injury issues. I'm higher, a little bit higher on Chicago than I feel like a lot of people are. And not a Myself ton higher, included. But, <laughs> but like, it seems like they're, like, I expect Wendell Carter and Larry Markin to work. Like, I think that they're going to be better than they've shown in the past. And like I said, I think having a real coach in there will help with that. Um, I thought Garrett Temple was an underrated move. Like, you know, that's just like a very, very solid bet who can come in and give you some minutes, you know, knock down some shots on a one-year four-point, basically $4.7, $4.8 million deal. Like, that was just a nice little pickup for him. Um, One thing here that, you know, kind of to note for Chicago is they also brought in Noah Vonley on a camp deal, and it was looking like he was going to get a roster spot, and then he got COVID and was waived. But that was somebody who I thought may have been, you know, somebody who could have, you know, potentially cracked this rotation this year as well, but obviously didn't work out there. True, true. I mean, I'm I'm not super high. I'm, I'm just going to sum it up. I, I agree with everything you said as far as your points of the transaction. That is interesting. But in terms of, like, the outlook on Chicago, yeah, not super high. Um, do I expect them to even play for the play-in? No, not really, to be completely honest with you. I think they need a little bit more talent. Um, I got some nice pieces. I like Kobe White. I'm, I'm high on Zach Levine, even higher than I should be, given what I've seen. He's a very solid player. But I don't know as far as the positively impacting winning in the upward trajectory type deal. Um, Otto Porter's good. You know, you still have that young. You have some guys there. I just don't see it all coming together in a way that's like, okay, you know what? This Bulls team is, you know, they're they're competing for the nice spot. They're 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 in that. You know, I think they're more in like the eleventh, twelfth range. Um, well, that being said, I mean that's not the worst place to be. Uh, in terms of a team that doesn't really have high aspirations, I like the pick of Garrett Temple. Um, losing Chris Dunn was tough. Yeah, the fact that they didn't even really, offer Chris Dunn uh, with the defensive versatility he provided. Yeah. It's 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 ludicrous. Again, yeah, another back-to-back moves of what are you doing as a front office? So, not really sure where they're going with that there. But I mean, I get the rest of it uh, for the most part. And I mean, I'm not Shaquille Harrison was another decent dude, but not a whole lot to add there. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna keep it right on moving. In fact, I'm gonna give the whole floor to you here since we're talking about Cleveland next, and you host the okay. Cavs Central Pod. Break down. You can go down however order you want. Break down what you think about these moves. This is where you take the entire floor, bro. All right, well, we'll just kind of go down the list. Um, obviously, <laughs> they started in the draft. They drafted Isaac Okoro with a fifth overall pick. Home run move, absolutely 100%. Um, like I said, this as far as, like, guys who I liked in the draft, not exactly, you know, like, star potential, because I think, again, that top three is where you're looking at with star potential. But just guys who are going to be good NBA players. who And Isaac Okoro, who can be really, really good. I... Love Isaac Okoro. Um, just an all-around winning player. Obviously, so you know good, we yeah. know we know what he brings on defense. We know that's why he was drafted as high as he was. Um, just and, and even already, just watching him in preseason, he just looks like you know he's been in the league you know a few years already. Just because he knows what to do, he knows where to be. He can fight through screens. You know, he's good at contesting shots without fouling. And yeah, he's made a couple rookie mistakes here or there. But overall, just looks like he is so ready to make a positive impact on the floor, which is something that, you know, you just don't always get from a rookie. 
um, looking at, you know, and, and you look at, you know, again, the reason that, you know, he wasn't viewed as highly by some people as a prospect is because of the jump shot. He shot the ball, you know, great in the preseason. His shot looks good. You know, there, there's no noticeable hitches. Yeah, you know, it's not fluid. like he's dealing Real with shoulder fluid. issues. He's, yeah, like it looks very, very good. He's hitting free throws. He's hitting threes. Like, I don't think the shot is going to be that much of a concern with him. And coming into the draft, you know, when the shot was still a little bit of a question mark, you know, my big thing with Isaac Okoro was that, you know, sure, he, he doesn't have the shot right now, but that's something he may be able to get. And he does everything else on the offensive side of the floor well. Um, he's, he's not, you know, an elite ball handler, but he can, he's capable of handling the ball. You know, he moves the ball well. You know, he's a good passer, a good cutter, just knows where to be again on the, on the floor, not somebody who needs the ball in his hands to be effective. So just overall, super-duper smart player. Um, obviously, you know, the frame is absurd for a 19-year-old. So super-duper, like I said, just cannot express how happy I am that he is in Cleveland. Um, this was my guy for them all along. Uh, he, he fills the biggest need on this team, which was a wing stopper. And just another guy who's just an overall good team defender as well. So, you know, absolutely thrilled with the pick there. And I think this is exactly what this team needed and they got that guy. Yeah. I think he takes that third I think he's gonna start in three spot. What do you think? That's something we can get into a little bit. Um, you know, obviously the reports from, from Cavs camp are that the, the starting small forward, you know, battle it was between Dylan Windler, Jetty Osman, and Isaac Okoro. Uh as of right now, as much as I like Isaac, um I, I still as am leaning towards I feel like Jetty Osman is going to get the starting small forward role off the jump. Incubate. Just because, mm-hmm. one, like, Jetty Osman, like, flaws aside, obviously, you know, Jetty has this flaws, um, limited offensive player, you know, is a good shooter, um, and a good kind of straight line driver, but doesn't really have a whole lot of creativity there. Not the strongest player in the world, not the most athletic, and is really just kind of a mess defensively. Like, some of the, like, if you just watch his feet on defense, like, some of the worst feet in the league. Um, you know, just it gets caught up in screens all the time, doesn't always know where to be, doesn't make right reads. But overall, I, I do still think just, you know, having the experience of being an NBA player and, again, like he's played very well in the preseason. I think he had 23 points in one game and 19 in another. Those were the only two games he played. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like, you know, he's like he, he still played fine. So I think, well, the rule and ultimately ends up going to Isaac Okoro um, before too long, like, I'm talking like as soon as maybe 10, 15 games into the season. I do yeah, think that Jetty will still have the. I still think that Jetty will have the start to get the season going. Although that's not confirmed yet, it, it very well could go to Okoro still. Yeah, I, I can see. I can see where you are both on that. I think he's the the biggest acquisition they've had in a bit in terms of impact. Ultimately, I liked. I mean, that's not true. Colin yeah. Sexton's improved greatly. I will give you that. I will, I will. I will say that. But Isaac Okoro almost immediately looks like the guy. Like you said, he just like a winner. Yeah. Uh, looking at some of the other moves this team made this offseason, um, obviously they lost Tristan Thompson to the Celtics. We already talked about that. Um, you know, just a guy who it, it, that lost kind of things for this team just because he was such a leader for them. Obviously, he was one of the last pieces from that championship team in 2016. But they did re-sign Matthew Delvadova to a Vetman uh, one-year deal. Uh, not someone who's really going to see a lot of you know minutes this year, but just again a guy who is just a good vet for the you know the young guards to have someone who's been around the, the program. 
and isn't really expecting this, you know, which is something this team kind of needed, just someone who can help these young guards along. Um, they also signed Damian Dotson to a two-year, $4 million deal. The second year of that is non-guaranteed. Um, you know, and I'm not sure exactly what Damian's role on the team is going to be just because they have a lot of people in that kind of backup guard spot with Dante Exum and Kevin Porter Jr. and obviously Damian Dotson. Uh, you're going to have Dylan Windler in there a little bit, obviously, Talon and Darius. Uh, you know, I, I, like I already said, I don't expect Delhi to get a lot of minutes, but he's there as well. So we're going to have to see exactly what Damian Dotson's role is on this team. But another guy who, you know, just moves well off the ball, good shooter, um, which, you know, you can never have too much of. Uh, looking at some other additions, the team signed Son Maker, who looks like he's going to make the team. Uh, you know, he was brought in on a non-guaranteed camp deal. I think he's looked fine for them as a third big. Does uh, he take played... the starting spot by midseason? No, I'm kidding. The <laughs> Makers take the <laughs> spot by midseason. Um, I'm going to say no unless unless Andre Drummond is traded for a non-center and they buy out JaVale McGee. I am going to say no. Maybe then you just start Kevin Love and Larry Nance. I, I <laughs> no, I don't think I'm as the starter on this team. Fair enough. <laughs> but, um, Fair enough. Anyways, you know, broken yeah, he, he came in on a camp deal, and it's looking like he's going to make the team. So, you know, a good third big. Um, obviously, we already stated that, you know, they traded for JaVale McGee. Uh, they also got a second-round pick in that deal. JaVale's on a $4.2 million expiring deal. So that was, you know, getting, you know, just a small expiring who can help you on the court for, you know, and also get a second-round pick along with them. They gave up. Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell in that deal, both guys who probably weren't part of their super long-term plans. Um, you know, McKinney was under contract on a non-guarantee for a few years, so, you know, maybe he would have been around at least this season. But overall, that was a good move. Um, we talked about Rajon Tucker, who was signed when they waived Jeff Green out in Utah. Um, they traded for Rajon Tucker to get a second-round pick, and then Tucker was immediately waived. They only took like a $340,000 cap hit there, so that was a good move for them. Just a lot of good small moves for the team. Mm, that's you know, what's up. Not a, not I, I a off season, but they didn't need to have one. You know, they're not going to be. They're, they're going to be at the bottom of the East, but that's okay. You know, just kind of made small steps in the right direction, and I think they've set themselves up well to where you know this is a good team is probably looking towards next year's draft, who can get a good player there. And um, one one more small thing that I want to say with them, they did waive Matt Mooney and sign Marquise Bolden to a two way contract. So I do like Marquise Bolden as well as a backup, a future potential backup center, you know, in the league. Okay, so where do you ultimately see this team falling? I mean, definitely in the bottom of the East, but like in a positive way, you know, like like what are you looking at? What are you, I guess, from from a cast fan, what are you hoping to see um, from this team, record aside? We'll do a different take uh, for them. Yeah, development from the young guys. Um, you know, Desire Zakoro. You know, his, will his preseason translate? I think it will, but we got to make sure. Um, you know, Darius Garland, you know, looks like a completely different player. Just his body looks different. His movements on the floor look different. So, you know, his shots haven't been falling in the preseason, but excited to see how he looks. Um, didn't really get a, look, a whole lot of chance to see Colin Sexton play in the preseason, but we know he's bulked up some. Uh, Dylan Windler will be interesting to watch. Uh, there's obviously been some off-the-court trouble with Kevin Porter Jr., so we'll have to see how he gets acclimated this year. But, yeah, just a lot of promising young guys on this team, and just got to see how they're going to look. So that that's, you know, where the focus should be this season, not really elements and losses. 
Hey, I'm on board with that. Makes sense to me. All right, well, with that, let's keep on moving to our next team here, the, the fun team. Um, uh, I guess you could say that. The Detroit Pistons. we got a lot to get into here. I mean, we can keep it kind of brief, but there's still just so much to go on. Okay, so draft. Killian Hayes. This is really a overall. fun team. Like, they got a lot. But, like, are they really the fun team? Like, they're, like, the least fun team in the league. Like, I hate Listen, the Pistons. Like, I'm I hate this to, team. I hate this offseason. I, I made a Thon Maker joke to insert some um, levity, and now I'm trying to say that the Pistons are fun <laughs> to insert some optimism, Justin. I'm trying to I'm trying to breeze this up a little bit here, okay? <laughs> but, no, they're not a fun team. Um, They're going to be rough. Uh, except I'm hoping for Jeremy Grant to do something because I just drafted him a couple of minutes ago. Uh, but let's talk about the Pistons. Killing Hayes, seventh overall. Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall. Sadiq Bay, I like that pick, 19th overall. Saban Lee, 38th. In a trade, they acquired DeLon Wright and Zan Musa in two separate deals. Musa's no longer on the team. Rodney Magruder from the Clippers, don't think he's on the team anymore. Dwayne Dedman from the Hawks, I also don't think he's on the team anymore. But I might be wrong. Let me check on that one. Um, Rodney Magruder's still on the team. Rodney Magruder still is. Dwayne Dedman is not, right? Dwayne Dedman and Zaire Smith were waived, yes. Okay, there we go. Got, I got one of those down. My spreadsheet's all over the place. All right, Jeremy Grant was the big agency acquisition from the Nuggets. Mason Plum, you could say, was the bigger one in terms of what the freak. Jill for Josh Jackson, LiAngelo Ball, who is no longer there. Um, and now, Karen Dietrich. Who they lost? D-Breath, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, <laughs> Kyrie Thomas, Tony Snell, Christian Wood, Langston Galloway, John Henson, Brandon Knight, um, Thon McCurr, Jordan McCray, Derek Walton Jr., Jordan Bone, Louis King, and uh, that's the wrap. I think they honestly lost more actual talents than they acquired. What do you say to that, Justin? I think they acquired a lot of players, but I agree with you that, you know, overall this team is not in a better position than they were. Um, and they did have three first-round picks. We can go over those first. Uh, Killian Hayes, I like that pick um, at eight overall. This is a team that needed a point guard. Um, and if they decided not to go you know, after Fred Van Vliet, obviously they punted their cap space as soon as they went for Mason Plumley. And then even without cap space, they still decided to go out and try and get Jeremy Grant by waving, you know, a bunch of players, which I think they'll end up regretting. But that's neither here nor there. We can get to that in a minute. Um, but Killian Hayes is a fun player. You know, I think he's shown in the preseason that he's, you know, at least ready to play NBA minutes. Um just looks like a fluid ball handler, someone who has, you know, a little bit of chemistry already with Blake Griffin. I think that'll be a fun pairing as the season goes on, assuming that Blake can stay healthy. I, so overall, like, I'm not sure exactly if he has all-star upside, but just looks like, you know, he's going to be an NBA player. So, you know, that, that's promising there. Um, and then at 19 overall, I really like the Sadiq Bay pick. You know, just someone who I think is going to be another one of those, you know, not at the level of Aaron Neesmith, but another wing shooter kind of. Like, he kind of fits in... For, for me, Sadiq Bay kind of fits into like that Robert Covington mold a little bit as a player. And I think, you know, obviously that's, a, that's a, another guy that, you know, any team in the league would be happy to have. Uh, I, I thought that Sadiq was going to go kind of in that 12 to 13 range, and he slipped to 19. So good job for the Pistons scooping him up there. Isaiah Stewart was the one that I didn't really like a lot. I think they picked him, what, 16th overall? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like, you uh, know, 16th, yeah. Drafting, and I guess, you know, we'll get into their fascination with, you know, old school bigs here in a minute, but um, <laughs> drafting an old school big at 16, 
Like, yeah, and I get that he does some things well. He's a strong player in the in the paint. But like, what is Isaiah? What is Isaiah Stewart really going to be in the NBA? Like, I don't, is he I really? Don't, is he ever going to be a starting center? I don't think he is. I don't think so either. Um, but I mean, when there's a world where Mason Plumlee can still be, then I guess you have to at least imagine Isaiah Stewart has a chance. He's on the right roster for it to happen. Am I wrong? Well, he's going to have to take the spot from Mason Plumlee, so I don't know. I mean, (laughs) the first first signing of of Mason Plumlee's fingers. The first signing of the free agency period is over $8 million a year for Mason freaking Plumlee. Like, come on. What are you doing, Detroit? What is the purpose of this deal? Like, if I'm Mason Plumlee, and obviously, you know, I wouldn't be happy with it now because he got this, but, like, you could have given that dude, like, one year six million. Like, that's where, you know, more I saw his range being. So, like, he's a fine player, but that dude has, like, no on-ball skills. Like, he has the worst-looking jump shot in the NBA. Like, he's not going to give you, like, playmaking from that position. He's a good rebounder, a good dunker. Uh, you know, can maybe block some shots, and he's not the least mobile center in the NBA because that's Julia Okafor, who they also signed to a two-year guaranteed deal. Um, again, just fascination with old-school bigs. Um, can still get you a bucket in the paint, but what is that really worth? Uh, can't guard in space, can't shoot. You know, again, not a playmaker at that position, which isn't essential, but, you know, it's just you're trying to look for positives with these guys, and it's kind of hard to find. Yeah really is. I mean, you mentioned Isaiah Stewart from what I, what I, my brief scouting, I knew he was going to go, I think he was drafted a, like a couple pick earlier than expected. I think it was like 18th to 20th um, from what I had read, um, where he could have been drafted, but offensively, he's best of the rim runner. Uh, not a great decision maker. Doesn't have a lot of good touch. Jumps some pump picks. Like, this is a guy that you that early when you're Detroit, especially when you make moves like you did with Mason Plumlee. Like you said, he could have got contract for much, much less uh, in general. I mean, let's talk about Jeremy Grant for a second because I was intrigued by this. I, this reminded me of when Trevor Ariza left the Lakers in 2010. Yeah, 2009 he left them to go. No, after they won the championship in 2009, he left to join Houston, uh, presumably for a bigger role. And it was a classic case of a role player who thought he could do more than he actually can, in my opinion. Didn't work out there, bounced yep. around a little bit. We saw that happen. I have very strong vibes between what happened then and Jeremy Grant here now, uh, going from Denver to Detroit, presumably for a more on-ball role, with, despite showing little of that in any time in Denver, that would lead you to believe that he's right for that higher usage. I think this is going to blow up in their face. Um, again, $20 million for three seasons, or, you know, $20 million a year over three seasons for Jeremy Grant. Um, I think that this was a guy who was perfect in Denver in the role he was in. He had creators around him in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, you know, who are guys who can put him in opportunities. Obviously, he showed a little bit of on-ball ability in the bubble for Detroit in the playoffs, but if you're going to pick a guy up for $20 million a season, solely based off of a couple good games scoring-wise in the bubble, like, what are you doing? Again, this is someone who is a multi-positional defender, and he's going to bring value there. But, yeah, like, he's just not that guy on offense. Like, he can shoot fine. You know, maybe he can put the ball on the floor and, you know, get to the rim at a decent level. 
like we've already seen him, you know, kind of try to work in the mid range and pull up and you know shoot turnarounds and then not his game. And it was never going to work. Um, and, and you know, apparently reports were that you know Detroit, you know that, that Denver offered him the same contract, but that he turned it down because he wanted that bigger offensive role. Like more power to you, dude. But like you turned down an opportunity to potentially win a championship in Denver to basically just do whatever the heck you want and in Detroit for the same amount of money. And if, like, you just want to go out there and just screw around on the court and take those contested mid-rangers, like, have at it, man. Like, I hope you have fun, but you, you gave up a chance to win for the same amount of money, and now you're here in Detroit with Davidis, Servetus, and Rodney Magruder. Like, come on, man. You didn't mute yourself again, did you? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for – you see, this is how you know you've been on the show. I'm t- I've been talking. I've been talking. I'd, oh, my gosh. I was going <laughs> to – once a show, Justin, once a show. I got out of my system. But I've waited. a podcast between the two of us without you muting yourself on X. Exactly. I, at least I waited an hour and a half into the show to do it. <laughs> hey, you know, wow. props for making it this long, man. <laughs> Sir, thank you. But you nailed it. I was gonna say, or I'm gonna say again. I'm gonna say again that my one, um, I guess the one redeeming, or the one positive thought about this whole deal is that possibly Grant is doing a, a Marcus Moore special where he gets a big contract. I, I doubt it. Gets bought out. I doubt it. I think he's gonna serve this year out. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be rough. But yeah, this is what he wanted. Yeah. He makes his bed. Now he has to lie in it. Um, I was thinking maybe he could be traded at the deadline for more assets. You know, a contending team might like what they see moving on. He's still a young player, so you have that I going for you. I think for that well. amount of money that they are, though. Like, I, that's, I a, can't, that's a bad contract. I don't think that – like, I don't know who does. Um, I'm with maybe you. Maybe that's the I guy mean, that Boston likes. Like, huh? Maybe that's the guy that Boston likes. Like, maybe that's yeah. someone they try to absorb into their trade exception. Like, that's – insanely expensive, but maybe like I, I just I don't know where else it could go. The five. Hmm. What is yeah. that? What'd you say? Wait, hold on. Sorry, what did you say? You're kinda of breaking no. up a little. Oh, oh, my fault. No, I was saying he could swing between the three and the five, two, three, four, five. Like he oh. might have some value that he might be a nice fit, considering. He might actually yeah, he might be a nice fit in Boston. Again, it's just the same it's the same discussion with them as just, you know, you didn't want to take eighteen million dollars a year for Miles Turner. Do you want to take twenty a year for Jeremy Grant? You know, it's just it's it's iffy there. So true, true. I, I don't know. I think that was confusing. I think all in all, this is confusing. But I guess one bright spot is Killian Hayes. Yeah, Killian Hayes. I, I thought this I, team. Yeah, I, I thought that this team made some other nice moves around the margins too. Um, Delon Wright, I thought was a fine pickup. You know, they got him in a trade. Uh, you know, he, he's another guy who might start for them this year uh, next to Killian. We're going to have to see there. But, um, you know, just a, a nice a nice guard who can fill in that role. Uh, they got Wayne Ellington back on a minimum. Again, I'll, I'll never argue with picking up a shooter for a minimum contract. Uh, Josh Jackson has been great for them. That, that's been a, you know, it, throughout the preseason so far, they got him on basically, you know, a two-year, a little bit under $10 million deal. That was that's been you know something that has worked out for them so far. Uh, you know, obviously that's somebody who has always had that you know kind of untapped potential. So maybe 
you know, he can show that in Detroit. Uh, and then they, they picked up Rodney Magruder, like whatever, you know, he, he's set to make a little over $5 million this year. And then he's not guaranteed next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they just cut him or buy him out. And then they also signed Davidas Servitas, who I think was a draft and stash guy last year. Um, I think, you know, everything that I've heard is that he looked horrible overseas last year, and they just gave him two years guaranteed. Um, so I'm not sure what really was going on there. But, you know, the Pistons have obviously shown that they know what they're doing this offseason. So who am I to tell them? <laughs> I mean, listen, when you're messing with such a competent front office as Troy Weaver and the gang there, uh, we have no choice but to move on. So let's 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 go and do that <laughs> for the sake of time here. We're going to keep right on moving to Indiana. Uh, honestly, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on them. Uh, they drafted Cassius Stanley, 54th overall, uh, lost Brian Bowen. I mean, l- let's just keep moving. I mean, they kept pretty much the exact same team. Um, don't really want to get too much in the weeds with these guys. The guys they lost weren't super important to them aside, I guess, if you want to say TJ Leaf, which I don't. Uh, let's yeah, just no. say where one, do you, one, huh? one quick shout-out, though. One quick shout-out for uh, the Indiana Pacers. I like the pick of a Kalan Martin. That was the guy I was hoping that the Timberwolves would keep. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the pickup of him there. And they also got Jalen LeCue. So um, Le- you know, shout-out to Jalen LeCue, I guess, as well. But, I hope like I said, yeah, I, I really like the Kalan Martin. Uh, tell us more about Kalan Martin. Go on, we, get, we got a minute. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, a guy who I think was on a two-way with the Timberwolves last year um, and had obviously a lot of opportunity to play there and played well, you know, kind of in that – I think he's – I've seen him listed as like a guard. He's really not a guard. He's, he's more of a 3-4 in my opinion. I think he's best using like a small ball four kind of role. But just someone who can shoot the ball, you know, at a high level. I, I wouldn't say, like, a super high level. But just an overall, so, like, a guy who can score for you at, on the back of your bench uh, in that kind of 3-4 role. Um, he's on a non-guaranteed deal for the next two seasons. So, overall, I thought that was a quality move for him. Competent. I get you on that. What do you think about the Pacers overall? I mean, I think they'll be in the middle of the pack uh, for the playoff race. Uh, maybe a good first round exit, just like last year. I don't see any high upside on this team. Maybe I'm just overly pessimistic about them, but I don't know. I mean, you're still working out the Victor Oladipo situation. You still got Demontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. Uh, you have a decent backcourt. Uh, I don't know if Malcolm Brockton is the floor general that the Pacers seem to think that he is. I I think they're an okay squad. Um, and in the East, that's good for a mid-tier playoff team. Yeah, I think they're a healthy first-round exit, um, which, again, isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. You said it. You said it. So we're just going to keep going from there. Um, let's talk about another team that really didn't do a whole lot. Um former up, uh, well, just were in the NBA Finals, Finals runner-up, uh, Miami Heat. Drafted Precious Achua, liked that pick, 20th overall. Picked up Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley in free agency. They did lose Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., Kyle Alexander, Solomon Hill, and Gabe Vincent. Uh, the big ones being Crowder, Jones Jr., and Solomon Hill. Actually, really just Crowder. And did Jones they lose Jr. Gabe Vincent? But, um, yeah. From what I have here, let me make sure of that. But from what I have I'm here, I'm pretty sure he's yes. still on the two-way for them. He's still on the two-way? Yeah, oh, I think so. I didn't update it. Yep, he is. My mistake there. Yeah, he used to say, yeah, that came out. Wow, messed up on that one. Excuse the correction there, folks. So <laughs> mine is Gabe Vincent. Um, really just the big losses, um, uh, Jay Crowder and, of course, um, Derek Jones Jr. What do we think about Miami? I like the pick of Precious Achua. I don't know 
um, I guess, as a nice uh, compliment to replicate some of what Bam Adebayo gives you off the bench. Uh, Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley, some good wing defense. Uh, Avery Bradley, definitely more of a guard defender who can hopefully bring some three-point shooting. Uh, again, Bradley more so than Harkless uh, in a major way. But I think in this is just a Miami Heat saying, Pat, um, losing Derrick Jones Jr. kind of hurts, it feels like, because he was a good player in the regular season, um, but he did get kind of shrunk out the rotation in the playoffs. Uh, Jay Crowder was the opposite ending for most of the season in Memphis, uh, but was a big part of the Heat success in the playoffs, including catching absolute fire from three. Uh, but those are my thoughts. I still think they'll be a pretty good team. I think that they had some advantages playing in the bubble, not having to play at Milwaukee or at some teams' home court. Uh, do I think they're like a legit finals team to repeat? Absolutely not. But I think that they are in the mix for it. Uh, but those are my thoughts. Just a really solid team that made some solid moves. What do you think, Justin? I, I, I agree with that assessment. Just, you know, solid moves all across. Um, they re-signed Goran Dragic to a one-year deal with a team option, you know, for a second year that they're probably going to decline. Uh, they did the same thing for Myers Leonard. You know, a lot of people talked about how, you know, why are they giving Myers Leonard, you know, basically like two years, $19.5 million. Again, the second year is a team option. They're probably going to turn that down. Um, and having Myers Leonard on that type of deal, like that's a nice trade chip too for them. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But, yeah, overall, you know, you mentioned that they lose Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder, who are two important players for them. But I think, you know, first of all, having Precious Achua, like, that was someone who I wasn't in love with in the draft. But I think he's going to the perfect team here as someone who is just, you know, one of those workers who, you know, is going to be a versatile defender down low. It's just kind of a beast, you know, overall down there. I, I think he's going to be really, really good here. I think, you know, just as far as the mentality goes, like he's going to fit in perfectly with the rest of this group of guys. Um, so I think, you know, I think that's another guy who could potentially get some minutes right away. Again, you mentioned losing those two guys. Um, Achua can kind of fill in at that four spot, you know, is just another guy who can play competent defense. And getting Mo Harkless, too, on a, you know, basically a, a one-year, three-and-a-half million-dollar deal is another guy who, you know, isn't going to replace what Jake Crowder gave you, but, you know, fill in that role respectably enough. Like, I mean, Mo Harkless is basically just average across the board. Like, he's not really good at anything, but he's not bad at anything either. So, yeah. you know, he's a playable body. That's fine. You know, it's it's just, it's a, it's an okay replacement there. You know, so I, I have no complaints. Um we're going to have to see what Andre Iguodala brings them this year because I think that's where you're kind of looking at, you know, well, you know, we lost Derrick Jones, you know, on the wing. You know, that, that kind of thins you out a little bit on wing defenders, and I'm just not sure how much Andre Iguodala is going to give them moving forward. So that's another thing to kind of watch is just to see, you know, how long until he really just kind of starts to break down and just isn't a positive on defense anymore and just – you know, overall, I'm not sure. I didn't like this extension when they gave it to him, this $15 million extension. And in the end, it isn't going to kill him. But, um, you know, we'll have to see if he's really even, like, a major piece of this team. Um, Avery Bradley was a signing that I liked. Um, again, you know, you got to hope that the threes can fall. We'll have to see. But they just kind of needed one of those, you know, on-ball point-of-attack defenders because you, know, you look at that grouping of Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, and Goran Dragic, like as far as guys who are defending point guards, yeah. like, I don't really trust any of them. And bringing in a guy like Avery Bradley, 
who can be the guy who guards that is, I think, really, really important for this team. So that thought that was a fantastic pickup for, you know, five and a half million dollars, a six million dollar team option at the end of the year. I, I think that was a really solid move for them. And shout out to the Heat for bringing back Udonis Haslam as well. That dude's going to at least be on a roster until the end of time. I'm going to say he's going to play forever, man. He, he's like, going the Jawan Howard role, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I've actually seen him on the floor for the Heat, but you know, respect to him for you know for sticking around. Yeah, I. Um, when I think when uh when they had that big image over in uh over in the finals, not big image where they had that big issue. I can't get tired when that big issue in the NBA finals. And when I say big, I don't mean like huge in size. I mean bigs in terms of their actual bigs. Um, yeah. I thought that maybe you could. Give some minutes uh, to Haslam to kind of throw a body on AD, uh, just some toughness, maybe a hard foul, something like that. You know, those the, the the reason why you keep these old vets at the end of the bench. I thought, but I was wrong. Um, but yeah, no, Avery Bradley signing is a pretty solid one. I liked him with the Lakers. Uh, someone who could harass, who had a very decent season harassing uh, other point guards. You know, he is undersized, and don't put him on a Kawhi or anyone because you will get absolutely cooked. But he shot the three very well. He's been pretty soft in the area. I think he hasn't shot lower than like 35% of the last like seven years. So that's pretty solid. Um, let's go on to Milwaukee. They made them. Real quick, though, on the Heat. I want to say, yes. you said, you know, just someone who can come in and give a hard foul. They do have Kelly Olynyk on this roster for one more year. Um, you know, you need someone who can pull someone's shoulder out of their socket. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was so... So, oh my gosh, that was, yeah, that I was will never Thank you for, Nope, nope, he screwed up that 2015 championship, the Cavs would have won it. Ended a Warriors dynasty before it started. I will down that hill alone. Anyways, um, let's go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee made some moves, uh, drafting uh, Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, uh, 45th and 60th, respectively. Uh, Rajon Tucker undrafted on Exhibit 10. Uh, they made a huge trade. Uh, for Drew Holiday uh, regarding a boatload of picks and Eric Bledsoe and George Hill going to other teams. In free agency, they acquired DJ Augustine, Nick Stauskas, the return of the Stauskas, Bobby Portis, um, Jalen Adams, and they lost, aside from Bledsoe and Hill, Wesley Matthews, Sterling Brown, Robin Lopez, Al Corver, at least for the moment, Frank Mason, Cameron Reynolds. Um, those two, I think, yeah. Um, Ersan Ilyasova was waived and Marvin Williams retired. Uh Obviously, the Bucks did some moves. They had bigger moves on the horizon. They had big plans for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That stuff fell through for reasons I don't have the time to break down now. I'm sure we've all heard about them. Uh, whether that was tampering or a big miscommunication, whatever the case may be, it didn't happen. However, all these moves apparently were enough to get Giannis to sign on the dotted line as he inked on that Supermax extension to stay with the Bucks. On a max, so we do have him. Uh, you could consider him a retention if you'd like. Uh, what do you think about this plethora of moves? And you can break this down any way you want. I was trying to go the Cliff Notes version, but I do like Drew Holiday. I don't know if he's the huge needle mover that the Bucks need, while also thinking that he is better than, let's say, the dynamic duel of Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Uh, the, the best way I can summarize the offseason for the Bucks is. It was an absolute mess and an embarrassment by this front office. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because Sean has signed his extension. And at the end of the day, that was And that happened. And I think you're still a better team today than you were at the end of last season. 
So despite the horrible mess-ups that this front office made, you're still a better team and you still have Giannis. So it doesn't really even matter that much. I mean, it matters because, you know, again, you kind of embarrass yourself in front of the rest of the league. But yeah, overall, yeah. up. But we can just go through some of the additions. We'll start with, with, um, with Drew Holiday. Yeah, you know, I, I like Drew Holiday a lot. You know, again, it is definitely an upgrade over George Hill and, and Eric Bledsoe. I think that he's probably going to end up resigning here as well. Um, he's probably going to be on the near-max deal, which, you know, again, entering his 30s is kind of iffy. But overall, I think it was a necessary movement to make. Um, you, you know, kind of a, a, a nice little pairing of secondary creators and Chris Milton and Drew, or, yeah, Drew Bledsoe. Or Drew Bledsoe. Drew Holiday. <laughs> I got all the names mixed up. But um, doesn't Drew Bledsoe, like, play football or something? Is that where uh, Drew Bledsoe, former QB for the, what? Uh, New England Patriots and Buffalo Bills, if I remember. Don't know okay. why I came to remember, right. but it did. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I, I like you know the Drew the Drew Holiday addition. I think you know that's a fine piece. Another guy who can create some offense and is going to be you know a high level defender. You know, you're not, it's not like you're losing the defense that Eric Bledsoe gave you by bringing in Drew Holiday. You know, he's going to be just as good on that end. Um, you know, th- they brought in Travion Graham. They brought in Nick Stauskas. Um, neither of those guys, you know, made the team. They both got waived purely because they couldn't keep anyone under the hard cap because this team used their, I think, non-taxpayer mid-level exception on DJ Augustine. So, you know, that wasn't something that they were able to do is keep those guys around. But they did make some nice auditions. You know, I think that DJ Augustine was solid. They needed a backup point guard when they lost George Hill. And I think DJ Augustine is going to come in, you know, again, just someone who can create a shot, which I think is going to be important on this team. Um, it, defensive concerns aside, you know, you don't have to worry about that as much. You know, it's kind of the same thing with Brent Forbes. Again, like I said, I'll never be upset with bringing in a shooter on a, on a low-cost contract. Um, you know, again, a small guard, some defensive concerns, but I think you can live with it. Torrey Craig, one of my favorite players in the league, um, you know, got let go by Denver, basically. You know, they didn't bring him back, which I thought was a mistake. Uh, terrific wing defender for them. Um a guy who's just really, really versatile, and he's not incredible on ball against you know some of the top guys, but really, really great you know off ball guy, uh, really great at getting in the lane and you know creating deflections and just kind of causing problems on the defensive end. And he's a capable shooter, if nothing else. You know, I mean, he's not unbelievable there, but he's fine. Um, yeah. Bobby Portis was an interesting move here. Um, again, just you know, you you want some some offensive firepower off your bench? There you go. Go ahead and get Bobby Portis. Um, I'm interested to see how he looks and plays on a basketball team that not actually that or that actually matters. I mean, we've seen him on the Bulls, the Wizards when they were down in their kind of darkest moment, the and Knicks. the Knicks. So it'll be interesting to see you know how he kind of adjusts to playing around you know an actual basketball team that you know is really looking like they're going to be competing for you know a championship. So, you know, that that could that could work out well, it could blow up in their face. I'm really not sure, but again, it was a low risk contract, so not really concerned about that too much. Um Sam Merrill and Jordan Awara uh were two guys that they got, you know, both of them made the team. Uh that was purely again because they were hard capped. Um rookies have a rookie minimum is less than a veteran minimum, so they were able to squeeze those guys under that hard cap. That's why they're on the roster. 
Um, I don't expect <laughs> much from any of them this year. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. You know, some, some bodies, I guess, is fine. The, uh, the Other than the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing, which, again, we won't get into right now, that is a mess with this team, is the Pat Connaughton deal. They tried to – they have early bird rates on Pat Connaughton, and they tried to have an option on a second year, which you need to have at least two years. Uh, if you're going to be resigning somebody with early bird rights, you, you need to make that at least a two-year deal. I know that. And the Bucks front office apparently didn't. And they tried to give him an option year in the second season, and then just a bunch of messes were made. And somehow, I don't even remember how, but it ended up with not only two guaranteed seasons, but a player option on the third for Pat Connaughton. So, Listen, man, I just none of it makes sense. Um, again, the third that we're looking at going, uh, what were you doing? This is the third one. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't understand it. That's that's another one. Like you said, the contract, what, what is the thought? I, I uh, Continue, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, the thought is, oops, we don't know the rules, but we kind of can't afford to lose this guy because we need playable wings. Just give him whatever the heck he wants, even if it screws us over. So, I mean, like I said, I think that was just kind of an embarrassment by this front office for, for not understanding the rules, even some of the more simple rules. But it's, again... Giannis resigned, and at the end of the day, that's what matters for this team. So they're still a championship contender. I think they'll finish at the top of the East. And if I had to pick one team to win the championship out of this Eastern Conference bunch, it's still probably Milwaukee. Wow. I mean, you know, that's cutting the chase right there because, um, wow. I, I, I have to say I have to agree. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to agree. You know, I want to say that other teams have made moves that are – you know, right up there in the mix. And I guess they have between Brooklyn, uh, Philadelphia. We can talk about in a second here. But, yeah, I mean, that makes that makes the most sense. Uh, they're still the strong team. You still got to go. The Giannis's issue isn't the regular season. We've all seen that. It's the playoffs. So um, getting out the conference, that's where the issue might be. Um, but at least, you know, owning the top of that and, and presenting yourself with the best chance to get out, Bucks have had that. It's just a matter of actually making the follow-through, you know? So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm on board with that. I'm just not overly optimistic about it. Um, Let's just run through Orlando real quick. Didn't really do a whole lot. Lost DJ Augustine, Wes Wundu, Melvin Frazier Jr. Um, big. Those are the big losses. Uh, Cole Anthony uh, drafted 15th overall. Dwayne Bacon in free agency from Charlotte. Uh, I think that they may slip just because I'm higher on other teams that weren't big factors in the playoffs this past season. But Orlando's going to be your uh, they're without the service of the Jonathan Isaac all year. They are looking at players uh, like Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic for another strong year. Markel Fultz is in a year where he's extension eligible, so maybe seeing what he can provide and how well he works with Cole Anthony, who I guess you bring as a potential backup because you have them pretty high, 15th overall, but you want to show faith in Markel Fultz. It's an interesting fit. Um, Dwayne Bacon's a stopgap kind of shooting guard small forward type. You bring back Michael Carter, William, Michael Carter Williams and others. I mean, this team is treading water. It has been for the last couple of years, and it looks like this year was a, another attempt to continue to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, this is another team that's going to be in that kind of playing mix. Uh, I, yeah. I think they might end up being one of the odd men out. Just because, again, there were, there were kind of some teams in that mid-tier of the East that got better, and the, the, the Magic weren't one of those teams. Um, I, I like the Cole Anthony pick. Um, I think he's going to be fine there. You know, we're, we're going to have to see what exactly he brings. He kind of had an up and down year at North Carolina. 
but overall seems like a really good kid and has a little bit of, you know, shot creation ability. So we'll have to see what they have in him there, but really just losing Jonathan Isaac and not really having any real replacement is really going to hurt him or or hurt this team. Mm -hmm. And and we're going to see Chuma Okiki this year. You know, he signed his rookie contract after recovering from an ACL injury last season. Uh, so, So maybe that's, you know, the guy who comes in and fills a role in the wing, but you know, losing losing Jonathan Isaac for the season, and even losing a guy like like Wessel Wundu for the yeah. season, I think is going to come back to hurt them more than some people might realize. Like that was another guy who was a solid wing defender on this team who's not there anymore. Uh, I I thought that the flyer on Dwayne Bacon was fine, uh, someone who I think still has some scoring potential, scoring upside. That, you know, really just never really found his groove with with the Hornets. That's something you know I've I've, t- you, I, I've kind of touched on in the past with I, on my own podcast doing free agency previews. It's just, you know, this is a guy who has a bunch of scoring potential, but just, you know, had an abysmal year for Charlotte this past season. And just past past couple seasons really just hasn't lived up to expectations. So maybe yeah. there's something in him there, maybe not. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the Orlando Magic, like, <laughs> that is that is exactly what you say. Yeah, it's the Orlando Magic, like your PR announcer. Everybody stand up. It's the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I mean, we we talked about I'm with you, man. Charlotte as America's team. Are we sure this isn't Orlando? Uh, you know what? Maybe we're wrong. Actually, no. Are they even the best team in Florida with the Raptors now? I don't even. I don't even think. Were they the ever the best team in Florida? I mean, they have the Miami Heat. Listen, I know, I'm glad you, I was being, I know, <laughs> I know, you're like, uh, Miami's been there for the last couple of years, no, I was making a joke, I mean, listen, okay. nobody makes more of an opening in the playoffs than the Orlando Magic, the last couple of years, man, they get their first hits in on these number one seats, or number two seats, we've seen it, they're yeah, legendary yeah. in that, so, they throw one punch, yeah. they have a hot shooting night, so, yeah, <laughs> shout, out, shout out, shout out to Nick Vucevic and and, and, and DJ Augustine. Until the end of time. And yeah. yeah. DJ Augustine last year. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? We probably spent five more minutes on this uh, Magic team than we should have, considering what they did or really what they didn't do. Let's go on to Philadelphia, which did do a lot. Um, drafting Tyrese Maxey, 21st overall. Isaiah Joe, uh, 49th. And Paul Reed, 58th. In trades, they acquired Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, Seth Curry, and Tony Bradley. In free agency, they acquired Dwight Howard uh, and Ryan Burkeroff. Uh Didn't think you heard that name in a while, did you? Uh, who did they lose? Uh, glad you asked. Al Horford, Josh Richardson, uh, Zaire Smith, uh, Alec Burks, Raul Neto, uh, then again, Ryan Burkeroff and Kyle Quinn and Glenn Robinson the third. Um, I like the moves that Philadelphia made. I think they're going back to the model of what they originally had um, in their last sustained playoff success a couple of years back, which is Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid and shooters, and and Danny Green, yeah. um, Seth Curry, Terrence Ferguson in name only. I mean, he's only a average to below average three point shooter, but he'll definitely get them up. He also brings a lot more athleticism on the wing. I like Dwight Howard as a backup big for Joel Embiid, kind of keeping some of that pick and roll energy and rebounding and toughness off the bench. Um, Harry Max is a, a decent pick. I think a lot of this is a holding pattern to see what happens between uh, any possible trade for James Harden. 
and whether or not there is a move where Ben Simmons is involved in that. That is the team that seems to be brought up the most in terms of trades for Harden. So that is something to keep an eye on as far as monitoring moving forward. But this team, I think, has the best chance. And I said this last year. Actually, no, I don't think I said this last year. I think next to Brooklyn, and I give them the edge just because I think that this model has proven that it could work where Brooklyn's more of a wait and see in terms of health. But this model, this team, probably presents itself as the best chance of battling uh, Milwaukee for Eastern Conference supremacy. I can get behind that, yeah. And, you know, we talk about you know, the, the possibility of them trading for James Harden. You know, f- forget Ben Simmons. Do you include Vincent Poirier in, in a trade for, for Harden? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's a lot. You know what I mean? That's You, you got to, yeah, you, you know what? You're probably, you're probably, you, I, I'd be hard-pressed. I might have to think about it, but I'll crunch some numbers. But ultimately, I, I think you do that. <laughs> I mean, listen, Poirier is a, a trusty fourth center, you know? I mean. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yes, he's a dependable fourth center and one guy that you have to definitely value as an asset, especially for a top-five player. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but looking at Philadelphia, uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what did you like or what did you dislike? Give me, give me one thing about them. We'll be relatively brief on them than we would have been, but just in general. Okay, well, I think – yeah, I just like, you know, that they got a team that makes sense. You know, that Tobias Harris and Al Horford and Josh Richardson are good players in theory, but they just didn't make a ton of sense on this roster last year. I think Tobias Harris is in a better position to succeed this year. Um, I, and, you know, shipping out, getting rid of Al Horford and bringing back a shooter in Danny Green was a fantastic move. Um, they also get a flyer on Terrence Ferguson in that deal, uh, basically swapping – Josh Richardson for Seth Curry, who's a high-level shooter, is a, a great move for them. Uh, Dwight Howard on a, basically a minimum contract is a great move for them. Uh, you know, they got Tony Bradley as well to be a third center. I think he's capable of playing, you know, spot minutes if, if Joel Embiid has to rest. Mm-hmm. So, overall, like, I think Daryl Morey has just done a great job with his team up to this point. Uh, I, I'm not going to mention Vincent Poirier any more than I have to. I think that's probably <laughs> going to be the last time I say his name on this podcast. But, uh, you know, some other young guys that they took flyers on and, and Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed and obviously got Tyrese Maxey, who's looked really, really good for them in the preseason so far. Um, I, I thought was going to go kind of in the, mid, in the mid-teens. I, I thought Boston might have taken him when they had him. And like I said, I like the Neesmith the pick for Boston. But Tyrese Maxey is a player who is going to be really, really good on this team. And I think they got great value there. So overall, yeah, just a team that makes sense. You know, Ben and Joel with shooters. Um, I think this is a year in which we should see Joel and Bede looking a little bit more locked in. Uh, just because, again, he has a, you know the freedom to play the, the game the way he wants to play it. He doesn't have to accommodate for, you know, Al Horford being on the floor at the same time as him. It's just That, that was just such a, a bad situation for both of them. So just seeing, you know, Joel and Bede have free reign, you know, and having... Tobias Harris, Danny Green, and Seth Curry on the floor at the same time next to him. I think that that's going to be a you know a deadly combination. Yeah, I mean this is a team. You know, Daryl Morey did a hell of a job putting this team together. Like you said, the way it's constructed, I definitely like um, meshing with a coach like Doc Rivers, who will be a lot more assertive uh, than a Brett Brown was. Which it will be interesting. Uh, just the talent seems to mesh, and I think that's important. Uh, again, we'll have to see how it all comes together. Again, the season starts very soon, so. We'll be able to kind of put that to rest very quickly. But in terms of what we expect, I mean, on paper, 
this team looks good. They definitely look a hell of a lot better than they did um, last season. We were trying to convince ourselves into them having, you know, a, a top uh, NBA defense ever and all this size and length and mm. both words we use yeah. by saying they'd be rather inefficient on the offensive end. I mean, this team gives you something to believe in on the offensive and defensive side. And for that, I'm totally on board. Um, but you know what? Let, let's let's we're all, we're almost here. Let's get down to our uh, second to last team here, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I think they made more noise for who they lost. Actually, no, let's not talk about that because they did draft Malachi Flynn and he is now a star because that's what Toronto does. Uh, Victor Malachi Flynn, 29th overall. Jalen Harris, 59th overall. Uh, in free agency, they acquired uh, Aaron Baines. Uh, they re-signed Chris Boucher. DeAndre Bembry came from the Hawks. Alex Len came from the Kings. They lost Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, Ronda Howes-Jefferson, a um, couple other minor notes, Malcolm Miller, O'Shea Brissett. I think those guys are on Let me check on those two, but definitely Serge Ibaka. They were both Marcus waived. All. They were both waived. Okay, good. Just making sure they, they weren't brought back, at least. Okay, cool, cool. So you had those losses. Um, they were able to keep their big fish, Fred Van Vliet, who will stay on long term. What do you think about Toronto, uh, who will now be playing in Tampa? So I'm gonna call them the Tampa Raptors. I think this is kind of a gap year for them, and obviously we'll have to see what they do next off season. But I still think they're gonna be a very good team this year. Um, yet losing Serge and Mark hurt them, but um, I think Aaron Baines is gonna be really a, a very good player for them. They got him on a two year basically $14 million deal the second year that is completely non-guaranteed. So I, I think he's, I like Aaron Baines. Like that's, that's just somebody who fits well pretty much anywhere he goes, I believe. And, you know, as long as, you know, I mean, he's getting older as long as he can get through a full season. I like that move a lot. I think that that's a, a quality replacement, you know, for Marcus all at least. And maybe we'll see Chris Boucher step into that other big man role for them. You know, we'll have to see. They also have Alex Len who can, you know, soak up some minutes there as well. So while that does hurt them, um, I don't think it's going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, Fred Van Vliet obviously was, you know, the biggest, you know, thing for them this offseason. Getting him on really a very good contract, just a little bit over twenty million dollars a year on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was something that was pretty essential for them to do, in my opinion. You know, just the backcourt of him and Kyle Lowry worked so well together. You know, they needed that kind of just the creation that he brings them. You know, the outside shooting. And just, you know, for two small guards, they're both such dogs on defense. I really just think that, you know, if this team wanted to be competitive, this, that, that was a move that was essential for them to make. Um, like you said, brought in Malachi Flynn, who's looking like a fun player for him so far. You know, probably going to end up being another one of those guys who's just, you know, the, a, a late steal by the Raptors. We've seen it a million times already. Um, other than that, you know, they brought in DeAndre Bembry. They, you know, keep Stanley Johnson around. So, you know, there's some... Some nice little wing pieces there. I thought DeAndre Benbury was a nice little addition. You know, will he play a ton of minutes? Probably not. But mm-hmm. um, basically on a minimum deal with, you know, again, a non-guarantee on the second year. So, yeah, overall, I thought this was just a nice little off season by them. You know, again, losing the two bigs hurt, but I don't think it's going to hurt them too much because I think they did a solid enough job replacing them. Ah, got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, ultimately, I think, like you said, a gap year. 2021 free agency is going to be big for them. See where they go moving forward, especially Giannis off the table. Um, the OG and Adobe extension is going to be interesting to monitor as well. Uh, my big thing is con- uh, continuing to monitor how Pascal Siakam develops. 
Uh, you know, he kind of had a, a up and down season uh, last year as kind of the main dude um, in this more egalitarian offense that uh, we saw. He fell apart in a major way in the playoffs. So to see how he comes back will be great. Weird to know that backcourt of Fred Van Vliet and um, Kyle Lowry will be great. How Malachi Flynn fits in coming off the bench will be interesting to see as well. So this is going to be this is going to be interesting. Um, I, I look forward to kind of seeing them hit a tough second run out. Um, I think the most yeah. certainly that's where they're going to be. Yeah. It, I think they're still going to be a very uh-huh. good team. Like, oh, they're a team that could make the conference final still, I think. Oh, yeah. No, especially if things break right. You know, they're well coached. They play hard. They play tough. Uh, they have some injury luck, and, and they sustain that throughout most of the year. I definitely agree with you. I can see them in that in that, in that that vein. Um, so, yeah, that's good. And with that, let us, we are two hours and seven minutes in. I thank you in advance for your time, Justin. Again, I mean, we knew it was going to be a deep one. I didn't expect this to be two hours. I'm not going to lie to you. But I am glad. This also gives me some some time to play with when we do the Western Conference. Um, but let's talk about the Wizards here. Who did they get? I mean, they only got the best point guard in the NBA. I'm just kidding. Um, they acquired <laughs> Russell Westbrook. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. There it is. <laughs> You knew it was coming, bro. I'm I'm glad you get me like that. But they acquired Russell Westbrook in a trade, uh, letting uh, franchise icon John Wall. Uh, they drafted Denny Advija ninth overall. Cash is Winston fifty third. Uh, Anthony Gill, Robin Lopez, and Raul Neto came from free agency. They lost Admiral Schofield. Schofield, uh, of course, the aforementioned John Wall. Aaron Grant, Jan Mahimi, Garrison Matthews, Shabazz Napier, Gary Payton the second, Jerry Othoth, and uh, Jonathan Williams. So. Looking at Washington after having a pretty fun offense and the worst defense I've seen in recent memory, uh, they bring in Russell Westbrook, who at this point, just in terms of availability, I would say is an upgrade over John Wall, though John Wall has looked really nice in Houston. We'll talk about that soon. Um, Denny Avija, I didn't really like the pick when he was selected, but I think he's been a decent fit for them so far. Uh, what do you think of the Wizards in general? I think that they have a really good spot at getting in an AFC. Yeah, I think I don't know if they're going to be an eight seed team, but again, playing they're going to be firmly in yes. that mix for the play-in. I think they're definitely going to be in one of those play-in spots. Um, one thing, I, non-wizards related, I just kind of want to get into before we, you know, we get out of here is, and I completely don't blame you at all because they're the Knicks. But did we get into the Knicks at all? Oh my gosh. Dude, we did not touch. We can into wrap the up with the next. We're, we're saving the that, best for last. Saving the good. best for that last. That was the plan oh all along. Oh my god, that was the plan that, all along. You, you said it. You said it. You know what, man? Uh, yeah, we. I gotta get. Yeah, yeah. That was the plan. You said. It. Let's let's get to it. Wow. All right. Cool. Uh, let, let's finish <laughs> okay. the wizards. Let's get but to the anyway, wizards. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wizards. So yeah, <laughs> it's a nice boost this offseason. Um. <sighs> I like the pick of Denny Avdia, you know, ninth overall. I thought that was, you know, he slipped a little bit. That was a good value pick where they were at. Um, you know, just kind of a versatile forward for him, you know, can, can play three or four. Um, not going to shoot the ball great, I don't think, right off the bat. But should be a fun guy to watch in transition. Um, you know, he, he's not going to be, you know, the, the worst player in the league on defense, even if he's not going to be a good one right away. But, you know, we'll see how he fits in there. I think it should be an okay one. Um, Cassius Winston, obviously, is a guy that a lot of people like. Um, he'll be on a two-way for them this year. You know, kind of seems to be destined to be one of those kind of backup, you know, you know, floor general type point guards. So we'll see how he develops. It should be fun to watch him this year. Um, overall, you know, just some other minor moves. You know, bringing in Robin Lopez, I think, is good. You know, just to have another center other than, than you know, um, what's his name, Thomas Bryan on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um 
he, Robin Lopez is, is Robin Lopez. He's fine. We know what he is. Um, maybe he shoots some more threes this year. Maybe he doesn't. But either way, I think, again, you know, he, he he's an upgrade over Jan Mahimi, so that's fine there. Um, getting Howell Neto, again, just another point guard to have coming off the bench, you know, with Ish Smith. Just, again, I, I keep going back to depth and just, you know, COVID, you know, risks. Just good to have those extra guys there, so a, a good pickup there. And, of course, the big thing for them, other than Russell Westbrook, was picking up Davis Bertans, um, or, or not picking him up, but re-signing him. And I thought that they got Bertans on a very fair deal um, that year. Th- or that deal is basically 15 mil, 16, 16, 17, and then the final year is 16 on an early termination option. Um, not something that we see a whole lot of ETOs. Um, Mike Conley last year was the only guy on one of those. This year we have AD and Davis Bertans on those, so good good to keep the ETOs alive. Shout out to <laughs> Got you. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think looking at Russell Westbrook, I think Bertans is like the exact type of player that you want to play with Russell Westbrook. Just someone who, you know, no matter where he's standing, Russell Westbrook can, can pass him the ball and he's going to chuck it up and probably make it. So having a guy like that, I, I'm excited to watch Westbrook and Beal in the backcourt. You know, Beal had the ball in his hands a lot last year, but I still think that this will work. Obviously, he's played with John Wall in the past, and that's worked. So, you know, overall, I think this should be a fun team. Um, you know, I, I, I've said it in the past. I think, you know, Tommy Shepard inherited such a mess from Ernie Grunfeld, and this isn't the best team in the world. But, you know, he's done a good job with it with the limited resources he's had. So this should be a fun team this year, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I am excited to see how this comes together. I don't see the defense improving your way, but offensively, um, should be fun. Uh, so Westbrook is going to have more spacing uh, than he's had in a while. Um, Houston, in theory, had more spacing, but I think the shooters in Washington are probably better, not just in terms of getting the shots up, but actually converting them than Houston was, and we already know the lack of spacing that he had in OKC. So, although this is an older Russ than the MVP Russ a couple years back, I still think this Russ can be effective, and he's playing with as good a co-star as he's had. I mean, he's had some good ones considering. So, this should be really interesting to see. Um, with that being said, let's go to the star of the show. As you mentioned so eloquently, Justin, the team that we saved last, but certainly not least, they're really the stars. The New York Knicks. Um, and this is a shame. I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, my God. But uh, well, we drafted OB. All right. Uh, yeah, you, you're right. We, we did talk about the better New York team. That is true. Um, they drafted Obi Top in eighth overall. Emmanuel quickly 25th. Uh, they acquired Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans. I don't know with the Wolves. Jacob Evans, I'm free agents. Stop, but I think Omar is still there. Yeah, out of shape still as well. Um, Alec Burks, New Orleans Noel, Austin Rivers, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, although I don't think Kidd-Gilchrist is no longer there. He got waived. But um, Alec Burks, New Orleans Noel, and Austin Rivers were all acquired in free agency. Um, players law, Mohawk list, Kadeem Allen, Damian Dobson, Jared Harper, Theo Pinson. Uh, they trade away at Davis to Minnesota. They waived Taj Gibson. I didn't know they did that. Well, I missed that one. Uh, Wayne Ellington and Kenny Woodson. So, looking at the New York Knicks, aside from being dead last in the East, which is where I see them, and closely monitoring, uh, I think, is uh, my second choice for Rookie of the Year, Obi Toppin. What do you think of the New York Knicks? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, as far as them not being very good, yeah. Everyone last year with the Knicks are, you know, oh sure they didn't bring in Kyrie or Kevin Durant, but they brought in a, a solid group of vets. You know, they got Taz Gibson, Alfred Payton, 
you know, Wayne Ellington, like, you know, Bobby Portis, Julius yeah. Randle. Like, you know, this isn't a team that, you know, has superstars, but they have a lot of, you know, professional veteran guys who are pros in the league and know how to win. And then we obviously saw how that went. went. It worked horribly, and the Knicks were immediately right back in that, you know, most dysfunctional franchise in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, what do they do? You know, they bring in some, some experienced vets. They bring in, you know, Alex Burks and, and Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, who didn't even make the team. Oh, but, um, oh well, Clippers, guys who have been around a while. Like, yeah, yeah, so whatever. Like, mm. you know, it's it's a Knicks offseason. Um, you know, as far as free agency, what? fine. Alex Burks at $6 million, fine. Merlin's at $5 million, whatever. You know, Austin Rivers at three and a half. I actually think that's kind of a nice move for them. Um, especially the Austin Rivers move, I actually think was fine. Three and a half million over three years, you know, each year, basically. Um, second two years are no, are non-guaranteed if it doesn't work out, which I think it will. So that's a nice little pickup for him. I'll give him credit for that. But um, I think where they did well was in this draft. Um, scooping up Opie Toppin at number eight, again, you know, that was a little bit lower than his, you know, a lot of them had projected. So overall, you know, solid pickup there by them. And Emmanuel quickly, like, that seemed like a bit of a reach at the time, but that dude has lit it up in the preseason. Like, watching him against the Cavs, that dude's been a beast. Like, he can shoot the ball. He can score yeah. at a high level. And he's, he's got a little, you know, he's got a little bit of that, that you know, cockiness to him, that swagger, which, you know, that confidence in his game, which, that's like, kind of ticks you off when you watch him. But, like, that dude has confidence. And, like, you know, he, he I think he's going to, you know, be a, a, a player for this team. So, yeah, you talk about Obi Toppin as a potential rookie of the year candidate. I'm with you on that. Again, like, I think he's going to be really, really bad defensively. But he's going to get opportunities here in Brooklyn or in Brooklyn and New York. And um, overall, just kind of has, you know, an NBA-ready game, you know, as far as, you know, a guy who's going to be able to put up numbers right away. So, yeah, I definitely think – I still think LaMelo is the front runner there, but I definitely think he'll be topping to someone who's going to be in the mix. I like it. I mean, he's offensively, I think, pretty polished. I, I really hope to see that three ball uh, translate uh, a little bit more. But, yeah, so far so good. These guys have played real well. So we'll see uh, – how it goes there. But those are my final thoughts on the Knicks. Do you have any anything else? Um, just have to remind everybody that this team is paying Joakim Noah almost $6.5 oh million dollars this season and next. Yep. Yep. So that's you said all I got. Wow. Wow. Uh, there it is. There it is. So now now we remember that. Uh, this is, the by the way, the Joakim Noah who is uh, – Heavily leading to a retirement. I don't think it's official, but it's all but official. So, uh, yeah, for what it's worth, yeah, he's done. He's done. Looks like. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, my man Justin, I appreciate you coming on. Not only going through every team in the East in this two-hour extravaganza, but also um allowing uh or allowing me to have the dignity of uh saving the Knicks for last and not just straight up forgetting them. Um, aside from Cavs Central Pod, um. And on Twitter, uh, where can these folks find any preview? Where can anything coming up with the season about to start? Uh, gonna have you back on here very soon. So, I mean, that's the thing as well. But just in general, what do you think? Yeah, like you said, um, you know, you can go check out Cavaliers Central. Um, you know, for all those people out there dying to hear some Cavs content, I have you more than covered. Um, 
doing, you know, we've been doing preseason recaps, um, just overall, you know, preseason news, other news regarding the Cavaliers. Um, obviously, you you can find me here. I'll be on another podcast here soon as we do the West. Um, you know, that'll be another quick 45-minute podcast, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know hours it. So, you know, look out for that. I'm, I'm, I'm already looking forward to that one, by the way. Like, that's going to be fun to do tomorrow night. Hopefully. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, you, you can find me on other podcasts around um, Rob Shaw, you know, good, great guy <laughs> on Twitter. You know, I've been on yes, a couple sir. of his podcasts now, so you can see my name around Twitter, you know, here or there if you look hard enough. So, yeah. It sounds like a plan, man. Again, I'm excited to get right back to this tomorrow, so let me let you go and let's get some rest tonight. But thank you uh, again for, for joining me on here. Um, like I said, as usual, we always have a great collab. Uh, you know where to find them on Twitter. If you don't, I'll tell you one more time. At JustinMatz26. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Where can you find HoopBall? Glad you asked about that, too. Hoop-Ball.com. And on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Definitely make sure to check all of this stuff out um, between myself, between Justin, HoopBall. I mean, the one thing we all got in common aside from knowing hoops is great basketball content. Um, I may forget teams, but I know about them. So there you go with that. Um, I just want to thank y'all for staying tuned with me on this. We'll be back to you guys. You heard tomorrow. But until then, we got Justin Frosty. I'm Shane Frosty. Y'all hey Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Bye, right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.